On the first page, someone has left an ink drawing of a horse. Several dozen blank pages later, at the end of the book, is an elaborate ink drawing of a one-legged man working an antique adding machine, surrounded by whiskey bottles. Academia, a podcast about critical analysis of games, their systems, and their social and cultural influences. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Luke. Dustin turns to refer to his guest. Hi, it's me. And Ashley. Luke seems surprised by being introduced first over Ashley, who's sitting uh, eating some Kit Kats off mic. Oh, hey. <laughs> Dustin seems perplexed. He does not have the necessary improv skills to keep up with this bit. <laughs> hey, guess what? Neither do I. Uh, so, we will be talking about Kentucky Route Zero this fine evening. Uh, a game that we have been waiting how long? Has Seven it years, been? baby. Whoo, boy. Yep. Not as Nine st- if you were, like, in on the Kickstarter. Still less than Kingdom Hearts 3, I think. Uh, no, it's about the same, I think, isn't it? Oh, wow, really? I God. think so. Wasn't Dream Drop oh. Distance 2013? It might have been. 2012. Yeah, no, it was seven years for both. <laughs> yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3, exactly the same as Kentucky Route Zero Act 5. Kentucky Route Zero Act 5 is the Kingdom Hearts 3 of text-heavy indie games. Uh, Immediately, this has all gone to shit. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, this... uh, I, I think all three of us are in agreement that this game is very special to us, and we were extremely excited to finally get to talk about the work as a completed whole. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it also might be a good idea to go over how we consumed this game. Yeah. Because I think it matters with, like, when you did a part, like, when you experienced parts of it. Yeah, I, uh... I jumped on Kentucky Route Zero back when it was only Act 1, um, it was actually, it was actually entirely due to the giant bomb quick look uh-huh. yep. that they did of uh-huh. Act 1 back in the day. Is that in how fact, all I of think, us learned about this game? I think yep. so. <laughs> Great. I went back and watched that the other day. It's so, it's got, it's Ryan Davis and Patrick Klepek, which yeah. is so weird to see. God, you're right. That was back when Ryan Davis was still there. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember that... Honestly, like, even replaying it and having the very first scene and the look of it seared into my brain already, like, that 
environment of the gas station with the giant horse statue with I'm just now realizing this game begins and ends with horses. Yep. Yeah. And there's horses in the middle too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Horses every every goddamn which way. We joked uh, about doing a Barbie horse adventures uh Skies of Academia and I think we're doing maybe this Kentucky just is adventures. the Yeah, I think this yeah. just is this the This is Barbie the real horse, horse adventure. adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the real horse adventure was the friends we made along the way. Yep. Yep. Kinda. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that first scene at the gas station, even now, is just so striking and gorgeous. Um, it it so crystallizes what that game is. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly and can't think of a more perfect first scene for the it's, game. It's really good. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I believe it was the exact moment where it went from uh, you walking up uh, after having solved, like, the kind of one puzzle in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that, that barely counts as a puzzle. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, when you walk back up and it's gone from uh, kind of, like, the magic hour to uh, nighttime... Yeah. And the horse lights up. Like, that was the moment I think I, like, went, like, open Steam, purchased. <laughs> right, that was the moment where I stopped watching the Giant Bomb Quick Look because I needed to play it myself. Yes. Yeah. Um, so let, let's let's talk about that first scene. Well, what, were um, we, I just want to make sure we're, we're not skipping anything because you were talking about, like, going through when we played everything. Oh right, yeah. So I played, I played every act pretty much at the day of release, except for Act Five. Believe uh-huh. it or not, yeah. Uh, because I was actually busy with Crosscode, <laughs> and I really wanted to finish Crosscode first. I gotta get back to that. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I've I've played every act and interlude upon release except for here and there along the echo which i uh never did like the the phone stuff for i gotcha yeah i like they like said i also got in on it when act one came out and then uh i i did a thing where every time a new act came out i started a new game over from the start so i've played through act one like five times at this point Oh, I did not do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, I did not know about the interstitials until Act 3 came out. Really? And I just saw a bunch of people talking about the entertainment. I'm like, what the fuck are you people talking about? And I googled it and found both it and Limits and Demonstrations and played both of them and then Act 3. Uh, and then, yeah, I saved Un Pueblo de Nada until Act 5 came out because I figured, ah, it's going to be a setup for the end of it. I watched their, like, live-action stuff. Uh, yeah, the, 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 I, I remember I the the day that stuff came out, and we just started, uh, like, ch- like sitting that back and forth of, like, oh, this seems like so much our shit. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cardboard Computer is the most, like, college student, like, <laughs> grad grad student English major art bullshit in the world and i am here for it yeah pretty much pretty much (laughs) uh i I have like a weird like very distinct memory of playing here and there along the echo while i was like 
I needed new tires on my car, and I was just sitting in a waiting room at, like, a discount tire for hours, just on my phone, going through this dumb phone tree. <laughs> oh, that sounds like the perfect place to play that game. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I even actually played the first game they released called Ruins. Uh-huh. Um, which has a very similar style to what Kentucky Route Zero is, um, though there's not a whole lot of connect. Uh, there's not a whole lot of connective tissue thematically, from what I remember. Ruins sure. is more about um, a relationship. The ruins being the metaphor for gotcha. what the relationships is at that moment yeah um so it's it's a lot more of a character study kind of thing than kentucky route zero is which krz definitely has character study in it but it is primarily concerned with um the character how the characters exist in america and what america does to them it's a story about a community like there's not this kind of just occurred to me earlier today like there is not a protagonist in kentucky route zero like for the first half of it it feels like the protagonist is conway it's not oh yeah and you are in for a rude awakening in act four if you still think that by then right and then like it kind of feels like shannon is kind of stepping up to fill that role but even that doesn't not really yeah it's just kind of about a group of people instead of any like one particular person's arc yeah, I think before um, we get into the specifics, one of the things that encourages really encourages you to think of the game in that way is just the conver is just the dialogue system it uses, mm-hmm. where it's constantly flitting back and forth between different perspectives, um, to the point where in some cases you're you are basically having a conversation with yourself. Right, By yeah. yourself, I mean the player's self. Yeah, you're you're um, picking all of the dialogue options for every participant in the conversation. Were you going to say something, Ashley? I, I was just going to make sure that I got to say what my yeah yeah um, kind of way to do this way I played this was. Go for it, because uh, it seems different than both of you. Okay, uh, which is I played one and two uh, when they came out. And then I also, like, that was when I learned about the entertainment, and then I played, like, the first half of the entertainment, and I guess was, I was like, oh, I guess that's it. Uh-huh. Like, not oh, like, the first time it, like, the lights go down? <laughs> yeah, that's how <laughs> yeah. I clicked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you missed so much. <laughs> I know! So much! God. The f- yeah, uh, no, I can't talk we'll about the entertainment, the entertainment specifically. We'll do that later. We will get to the entertainment. To- <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I played three, I think, when it came out, and that was, and then I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna wait. I love this game so much, but, like, I just, I want to wait till it's done, because at that point, it was like, it's coming! (laughs) Right. And, like, yeah, then the time between stuff got, like, further and further. Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe we should set it up a little bit in case people don't know what the fuck Kentucky Route Zero is. Yeah. We kind of just dived in headfirst, which is understandable. It's a seven-year-old game and also a zero-year-old game. So, you know. 
Yes. Yeah, Kentucky Route Zero is um, basically a point-and-click adventure game that's pretty much entirely puzzle-less. It's almost like a combination of a uh, visual novel plus a point-and-click adventure game uh, that is set in rural America. Um where you start out as just Conway, um, a truck driver uh, who makes deliveries for uh, his antique for the an- antique store he runs with uh, his wife. Um, well, well, <laughs> maybe he he runs with a woman that he <laughs> yeah he runs he I... runs with a woman he knows. Yeah, their their relationship is kept, I guess, ambiguous. I, I, I actually find it really interesting you took it that they're married. Yeah, I never took it that way. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, okay, I got entirely off track here. Yeah, sorry. But you start out as just Conway, but uh, throughout the acts, you gain um, more and more people traveling alongside you. Uh, who all have their own specific uh, connections, uh, not only to the land, but to the people you meet um, and to the forces that are in the background oppressing everyone you meet, basically. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that makes Um, this game especially cool for me is that I grew up in Kentucky. We moved there when I was like eight. And I lived there till I was like 21, 22. Oh, wow. Uh, was not mm-hmm. specifically the area this game is set in. I was like two hours away from this. But like, it's all the area around Mammoth Cave. I've, I've been to that area of Kentucky before. Like, they refer to towns like they'll say like Bowling Green or Elizabethtown or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. So it, I don't know, so it makes this game like connect in a certain way for me that it wouldn't otherwise... And it also makes me think a lot of, like, high school, like, senior English when you had to read, like, local Kentucky authors. And I remember hating that at the time because it was all, like, <laughs> there, like, at the very least, listen, I'm sure that, you know, there are writers in Kentucky that do all sorts of stuff. Um, but the sampling that we got in school was very much, like, here's four different novels about a depressed man who is, like growing up into an adult and has to work in a coal mine even though he doesn't want to he just wants to like lay in the bed of his truck listening to john mellencamp songs all night like that kind of thing (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) like a knockoff beat poetry basically yeah yeah like uh that movie october sky which we had to watch so many times in school (laughs) uh but without the rocket science stuff (laughs) Hmm. yeah that's the best part of that right yeah uh, and one thought I did have replaying it this last time a lot was like, man, if this was required reading in high school, I actually would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone is going to use this where it's like, my, the next thing you have to do is, you know, play this video game. <laughs> right, right. I was bummed. I did look it up. Cardboard Computer is not primarily from Kentucky. Which yes. did make me a little sad. Like, one of the developer's wives is from Kentucky, and they moved to Kentucky sometime during development. 
Yeah, but they are mostly from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, yeah, this was like an episodic release game, which was kind of a trend in 2013. With like yeah, Telltale this came games. out. Yeah, like not long after Telltale: The Walking Dead. Right. And they had said on their Kickstarter they planned for all five episodes to be out by 2014. Lol. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They got episode three out by 2014. Uh, Episode four didn't come until 2016. And then episode five didn't finally come out until, uh, like, two weeks ago. Uh, And... Yeah. Looking at the Kickstarter, I feel like everyone who, like, loves this game has probably done this at some point. Looking at that Kickstarter is so fascinating because oh, it's yeah. so different. It's a completely different game than what they delivered. Yeah, I, I'm watching. I'm literally watching the the original trailer for Kentucky Route Zero on Vimeo. Yeah, and like, it is so weird. Yeah, you can like, see like all seeds. the pieces are there, but yeah. it's so different. <laughs> yeah, like the art style is completely different. It has like this stop motion look to it. Uh, characters show up with, like, completely different appearances. Yeah, Junebug is almost, like, aside from being a singer, is almost entirely changed. Right, yeah. Uh, Well, like, yeah, her original character thing was a, like, robot singer slash waitress who is, like, stuck in the restaurant that used to... Right, she was basically gonna be Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. And she wanted to not live in a Chuck E. Cheese anymore. Uh, I mean, who would want to live in a Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, like, I read an interview with them where they said the original idea of the game was you would have, like, six people in your party, and it was going to be a Metroidvania where you side-scrolled through mammoth caves, and you had to switch characters to have different abilities. Like, Ezra could call Julian to fly around, or Juba could use her computer body to hack computers. That's fucking wild. Holy cow. It's a completely, (laughs) like, there is a degree to which... If you did like donated to that Kickstarter, they kind of didn't give you what they promised. I think they gave you something well, way better, but yeah. Also, yeah, that's not at all no. what it ended up being. Like, there's there is technically gameplay here, but that is not the point, really. Like, if, right? Yeah. If you wanted to, you could maybe sue them for. <laughs> I doubt False you actually could because I don't think they're that like specific in the Kickstarter pitch. Yeah. But yeah, they they just And have... also if you did try to sue them, I would personally come to your house and fist fight you. <laughs> yeah, if you do try to sue them, you're a bad person. I feel like this is a weird game to talk about in some ways, especially now, because there is a degree to which, like, outside of certain circles, it's pretty fucking obscure. And there is yeah. like for people that really like it, like us, there is this desire to like evangelize about it because it's certainly one of my all-time favorites. But then yeah. there's also a deg- like with people that have been familiar with this game, there's a combination of like exhaustion with hearing people gush about it and also like annoyance that it took so long for this to get finished. Yeah. Like some in addition to the five episodes, they've also put out these interstitial things that were originally wholly separate programs that you could download from their website that sort of filled in story details uh and i remember when like fucking like they did here and there along the echo which we talked about a little bit it was a game where you didn't download it you called a phone number and it was a phone tree you played 
and to promote it, they made a fake eBay listing for a haunted phone that could only dial the here and there along the echo number. I love that shit so much. And they had like a whole video like demonstrating how this phone was haunted. And I just remember someone posting that somewhere and me being really excited to see that. And then immediately seeing like a half dozen comments of, oh my God, would they stop fucking around with this horse shit and just make the game already? Like, what are you talking about? This is great. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, that is the game. Like, this is part of the game. It always right. has been, basically. I, I am sympathetic to people that got, like, annoyed with, like, hey, I paid, you know, 25 bucks for this for a game that was going to be finished in 2014. It's 2018 now. Where's the rest of the game I bought? I get that to a degree. Even if I don't, also, even if I don't share that sentiment. Yeah, like yeah. I, I can, I can fully understand both why people are annoyed. The game took so long to like weren't as kind as we were to uh, this game yeah. as it kind of dragged its feet a little bit. Right, and also why some people would be like, "We get it. You think Kentucky Route Zero is a masterpiece? You've been saying that since episode one." <laughs> right, right. Uh, I did see another interview with them where they mentioned that they had actually finished Act 5 back in 2017 uh, and haven't released it because they got, like, a publishing deal with Annapurna and wanted to get all of the localization for all the other languages it came out in done so they could all release simultaneously. So they've actually just been kind of sitting on the finished game for a couple of years now. Yeah, it... Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into we'll get into it in more detail when we talk about Act Five, but it does it is like probably the shortest act. Yeah, um, yeah. It's on par with Act One at the very least. Yeah. Uh, and do we want to start talking about the axe? Yeah, I, I yes. think I think we've we've basically already started talking about the axe because we're too excited. Let's just let's just do it. Yeah. So uh, we start with Act One. Um, at the gas station with the giant yeah. horse head. Um, and it's kind of where we're introduced to. It sets both the tone of this story as well as introduces you to the surrealism that is going to be well, not necessarily not surrealism. That's the wrong word. Magical realism. Yeah, I mean, I think surreal be... is also a fair description. In some cases, um, but yeah, the, this is a magical world, yeah. uh, and characters largely will not be lampshading that very much, and that is just something you'll have to accept. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, <laughs> magical, nonsensical things happen in the world of this game, and everyone who lives there kind of knows that already and has made their peace with it. Uh, yeah. And yeah, you you open up, you are Conway. I don't think you ever get Conway's last name, right? No. No, I yeah. don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, you're Conway, you are a truck driver for Lysette's Antiques, and you have stopped at a gas station that has And not like, like a semi-truck driver. No, no, no. More like a, I don't know what you call that kind of truck. Like but... a U-Haul looking yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you stopped at a gas station, Equus Oils, uh, that is... The coolest looking gas station that's ever been designed. Yeah, it it just it's un it's so unneedlessly like grandiose. Right, yeah. Like it is even if you ignore the like thirty foot horse head, it's still a cool looking gas station. 
yeah just the architecture of itself it's like it's like if you got uh like a famous architect to design a gas station yeah 100 just because uh, and then yeah. yeah there is a gigantic horse head stabbing out into the sky from it mm-hmm. and uh it's manned by uh a man named joseph who they don't call attention to it but if you are kind of reading between the lines of his dialogue you can put together that he is blind uh oh i did not get that yeah yeah they they make it explicit later when you meet uh lula but he talks about like yeah you know sometimes i like to listen to the tv or ah the lights have been out can you can you go get them on i want to listen to the whine of the lights like he never talks about turning the lights Mm. on so that he can see and if you i think there's gonna be a recurring theme happening here with this podcast where you all make me look very dumb i'm sure you (laughs) are not picking up on this stuff yeah and, like, one of the early ones that, like, to me that I really got it was, he's like, oh, it's, the sun must be, like, like just setting right now. I can feel it in the back of my neck. Yeah, yeah. And later on, if you go there with uh, Shannon, he'll say, like, oh, you're the Marquise girl. Like, not the other one. Your voice isn't right, but you're... <laughs> right, right, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You've got Conway, who is traveling with his dog, who uh, you can name either Homer or Blue, and... uh, Or nothing. Or nothing, and the dog's gender changes depending on what name you give it. If if it's Homer, the dog is a boy. If it's uh, Blue, it's a girl, and if you don't name it, it's not gendered at all. Uh, So, I named the dog Blue. I named the dog Blue. I'm. I named him Homer. I guess that is a choice. I'm sorry. Yeah. I like the name Homer for an old hound dog. <laughs> I mean, it's a good name. It's just it's, you know, just not not, blue, not, not know? as good as a uh, blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and it's weird because that's, like, the first dialogue choice you get in the game, and it has a consequence on what happens, because it changes the dog's name for the rest of it. It, Uh, it, I think they put it so, like, it's a good thing to put so early on. Yeah. uh, Because, like, that is such a good indicator of how choices in this game work. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I almost think that's not true, because... That choice has a direct gameplay effect. Like, it changes the name of the dog. Most of your choices don't actually change anything about the game. It's just that's the dialogue choice you make in that moment. But I think getting that dog name at the start, like, primes you to assume that a lot of your choices are going to have more impact and kind of make you consider them more than you might if you realize there's no consequence beyond how you're characterizing the characters. I can think of one instance in Act 4, which we'll get to, uh, where a choice I made, I think in an earlier act, changed what someone says. Oh yeah, it definitely happens, it's just the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Yeah, and like, it makes all of those, like, kind of almost seemingly random, uh, moments where that happens, all the more like, oh wait, that affected such, like, shit? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in a way that makes it feel more real. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Conway is looking for the address 5 Dogwood Drive to deliver uh, a shipment of antiques to. 
and he has been like driving up and down the highway all like afternoon and evening and cannot find this damn address. Uh, and Joseph tells him that he probably has some directions on his computer, but the lights are out, so Conway's gonna have to go flip the breaker for him if he wants to check the computer. And, uh, then you go into the basement, which I never noticed until this playthrough is shaped like a giant horse. It's the body of yeah. the horse head. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. You can only tell once the lights are on, but yeah, that's why there's that weird tunnel you have to go into. It's one of the legs of the horse. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah, yeah. man. There's so much shit in this game. There's so much shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, this is sort of like the very first instance of the magical realism rearing its head, Yeah. where uh, upon turning upon turning your flashlight on um while you're looking for stuff you you meet some people playing D D in the basement you're like <laughs> they're playing the, then they're playing kentucky Route zero the tabletop game yeah yes and they don't seem to acknowledge your existence yeah and like you go to fetch the their die that fell off the table and you pick it up and you come back and then they're gone yeah Ooh, they were like ghosts <laughs> But also, mm, maybe <laughs> I didn't realize because I didn't play the side. Like I was like, "What do you? We'll get." I did not realize these characters reoccur. Yeah, yeah, they like these are some of the main characters of the game, and I didn't notice that until this last playthrough. Oh wait, hold on. It was that. Are they Bob? Um... Yeah, it's Emily, Ben, and Bob. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who are the and... same characters that show up in every intermission. And they are also the bed quilt werewolves. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. That they're the oh, fucking I didn't band. get that. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that one. Uh, and then obviously they're in Act Five, uh, which we'll get to. What a good game! <laughs> uh, what did you do with the D twenty after they disappeared? I left it. I left it. Really? Took I it. I took it. We'll talk about what happens if you take it later. You told me, and I lost it. Yeah, I'm interested I, to know what happens if you don't. I I did not realize. Okay, yeah, I didn't it, realize yeah, that was important. It matters in Act Five. What? Yep. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But like that this is, is a good, this is the it, blue thing. But for me, <laughs> uh, that is a good indication of like what matters in this game. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. You see that like the ghosts are gone, and you just have this D twenty. And you can either just leave it on the table so the ghost can keep it, or you just figure you were seeing things and slip it into your pocket, like I did. Also, oh, you guys don't know this either, then. If you take the D20, the entire game, if you pull up the menu with, like, your driving directions in it, the D20 is there, and you can just click it to roll the die on the menu. Yeah. Uh, I think back when I first played Act 1, I did take it. So okay, I remember yeah, yeah. that part, but... Uh, but yeah, Joseph explains that he, that if you're going to get to Dogwood Drive, there's no option other than to take Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, everyone just calls it the Zero, but Zero in the text has this weird fog effect on it. Anytime, like anytime the word Zero comes up in any context, it's got that same like it's a little fuzzy effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which th this game has a reoccurring thing of, like, visual static. Like, this yeah. game has a love affair with static TV signals. Yes, very much so. 
And you uh, want to know who also does? Me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I assume we're not going to be this, like, microscopic Detailed. in detail for every fucking scene, but this is the first scene. I feel like it's important to set the stage. Yeah, uh, I think it does matter for this particular portion. Joseph tells you that, yeah, hop on his computer and uh, you're instead of going to Dogwood, he doesn't know how to get there. He doesn't even know how to get to Kentucky Route Zero, but he does know how to get to the Marquez farmhouse uh, where Weaver Marquez can point you in the right direction. So he tells you to log on to his computer and get the address for her place. And he tells you that uh, the password for his computer is, uh, ah, shit, he doesn't actually know it. He just kind of feels it out by muscle memory. Listen, it's a poem? Just go on his computer and type a poem into the password field and it'll yeah, work. Yeah, just, just type what feels right. I yeah. can't remember exactly what dialogue he gives you, but it's like... It tells you, like, ah, it's like a, it's like a short poem that sums it all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah sums it all up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you and... just get to, like, build a poem stanza by stanza out of, like, a few multiple choice options. Yeah, and they can be about, like, the accident that just recently happened. Right, because I, I guess we didn't mention that. There was, like, a, a truck carrying a bunch of bottles of alcohol that crashed on the side of the road by the gas station. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also important later. <laughs> it's always, like, that's one of the cool things about, like, playing this game as it came out, is you would play a new act... And then you would go back and look at old stuff and realize that some little toss-away detail was actually foreshadowing for a crucial thing later. Yeah, yeah. that was what was kind of cool to me, because, like, I I would just play them as they came out. I wouldn't go back, and I only just went back and marathoned the whole thing, Yeah, like, a, in two days. Yeah. So everything was just way more glaringly obvious to me, and I was like... This was here the whole time, and I never noticed before. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, like, I... The game is very upfront about what, like, its themes and messages are going to be. But until you get, like, the punchlines later on, you don't recognize the setup for what it is. I, I did not realize that this game was about capitalism until, like, way too late. Yeah, uh-huh, same. In, pl in playing it. Like, as a, when I first played it, I didn't, it just flew over my head. Yeah, yeah like, I, even Act 3, I to didn't To be fair, I didn't that. figure that out until, like, literally Act 4, which is where they make it most explicit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, but, even, like, yeah, like, even before, like, when it was starting to get explicit, I was like, oh, maybe it's just about, like, alcoholism. Right, that's what I thought it was, too. And it is, but it's about so much more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it, it's... There There are definitely themes of addiction... Yeah. Um, ...that run kind of throughout the cast, and addiction that specifically ties itself to the types of addictions that capitalism itself encourages. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, it's about alcoholism, but it's also about alcoholism as a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, he is all, the uh, Joseph has also loaded up a TV onto your truck that he borrowed from Weaver a long time ago, and he figures that she probably wants it back. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like he just, he can't get anything through, from it right now. <laughs> right, yeah, because if you snoop through his emails, you see he has gotten a message from the Consolidated Power Company, uh, a corporation whose name is definitely not a double entendre. Uh, about how, like, he hasn't paid his bill, so now he's on, like, 
the Dirty Power Plus plan. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, this he game can't get used out of the TV because he can't see it. Mother, right? I'm yeah, such yeah. A he mentions ass. like, oh yeah, I like to listen to the TV, but it's the power was screwed. <laughs> Um, well, I, said, I, I could definitely get not catching it when you talk to him, but when you talk to Lula in Act 2, she's like, oh, you talk to that guy, that blind guy at the gas station? Yeah, I know him. I I, I must have, I either wasn't paying close enough attention to the dialogue, but I do not remember a dialogue part where she explicitly told me. Yeah, it's like when you first talked to blind. her. Okay. Yeah. I must yeah. have just been reading too fast. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it doesn't, a lot of this goes without saying, but, like, the writing in this is so fucking immaculate. Yes. And I especially love their bullshit corporate writing. It's so it's very good. Yeah. It's such, like, a perfect mixture of, like, smarmy, like, satire almost, but, like, believable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you get directions from the computer. It says to uh, head up the highway until you find that ugly tree that's always on fire and then turn left. Perfect. <laughs> this game is so Beautiful. funny. Like, this game is just runs the gamut of emotions. Like, it yeah. is funny. It is, like, like tragic. It's made me cry. Like, oh, it's just, it's everything. Honestly, yeah. like the the directions that you're given, and then you're you're set out to like just sort of explore, yeah, like this this map of your little the little like town you're in is one of my favorite moments in the game. Yeah, uh, just for how just for how like condensed an encapsulation it is of everything I love about the game, just in like the span of like a gameplay span of a few minutes yeah um i did look it up like the this like chunk of kentucky like is pretty accurately represented in the game like a lot of these street names are real streets yeah uh i was gonna take a little bit of liberty with it um for especially the locations that are important to the game's story but yeah this is like it looks like uh if i'm looking at this map of kentucky it's like smith's grove and rocky hill and cedar spring it's like a bunch of small towns that are just south of mammoth cave national park uh i don't know i just think that's neat yeah um so yeah they uh you drive to the marquis house and if you want to you can find all sorts of adventures along the way there's all kinds of fucking things just tucked away on the side roads if you don't follow the critical path yeah, like there's the like a sp- the diner spooky full of ghosts. Yeah, the spooky church where uh, you find out the scene is coming from a, uh, I think it's like a recorded cassette tape or something. No, a radio. Yeah, they're just an abandoned church with a tape player playing a hymn on loop. And if you go in there and turn the tape off, all of the power dies in the whole church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a museum where you could end up. Uh, if you go back to the gas station, uh, he'll tell you about how, uh, his stuff is in there. Is it the, I I don't think I've seen this one. Is it the Museum of Dwellings? No. No, it's, yeah, I actually got this, this playthrough. I didn't get it my first time, but yeah, if Uh you, if you go back to to the gas station, Joseph tells you, Oh yeah, like one of my works is in the museum. It's past the glass doors 
uh, than just, like, feel for a wall that's different from the other walls. Um, <laughs> and, like, that, that lets you find this area where it's it's largely full of video games including digital love story by christine love what oh wow probably my favorite of her works honestly Uh and also uh the walking dead by telltale games oh nice yeah (laughs) it's basically like hey here's all of our inspirations Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff there that I did not recognize, and I kind of want to try out now. Yeah, that, that's cool. Uh, Colossal Cave Adventure in there? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because that's one of the big, like, that is yeah. arguably the first text adventure ever made, and yeah, it's about clear- exploring, like, a cave inspired by Mammoth Cave. Yeah, and they just straight up do a blatant homage to it in Act three yeah yeah exactly yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, uh but yeah eventually you get tired of all the side stuff and you go to the marquez farmhouse like you're supposed to and uh it's like you go up this big hill and it kind of emerges out of the darkness there's a graveyard off to the side and uh you walk inside and weaver marquez is like waiting for you and she yeah. asks you, like, a million questions that you can't, like, y- like you only get the option to answer one of them. Yeah, because that's another thing about this game, is that unlike a lot of games that have dialogue options, this is not, like, a dialogue tree where you can go back. Well, it's, there. there are some instances where you can go back and do all or most of the choices but in the majority of situations you pick a thing and it moves on yeah yeah uh and yeah she's just um you get the sense she's very smart uh she's got like books piled up everywhere and she just doesn't seem to be on the same wavelength as you like you're she's talking to you but not <laughs> wavelength but not about the yeah but not about the same <laughs> things <laughs> And, uh, yeah, she eventually has you put the TV down that you brought her, and you turn it on, and there's just a cool effect where, like, you're looking through the wall of the house to, like, their barn out back. Yeah, like, the walls of the house fall away. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you look past it towards the two horses. (laughs) Well, uh, is it the same two horses? Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's the same two horses, but it is still it is two horses. Two horses. There, yeah. there's a lot of recurring two horses that happen. Yeah, yeah. In events in this game. Yeah, I don't uh, think that's supposed to be the neighbors, but I guess I don't know for sure. No, yeah. I, I don't think it's literally them. It is just a mirror of them, basically. Right, right. Uh, and she tells you that you can't get to the zero because you set the TV up wrong. Uh, which, it, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You, you could get all these great like responses to that, where it's like it, it like that colors in your character's backstory. Right. She asks you like, "Oh, you set it up wrong. Why did you do that? Is it a foreign object to you? Which of your parents didn't let you watch TV?" And yeah, it can be like, "Oh, like my mom like thought there were ghosts in the static, or like my dad thought it was radioactive." And then the last one, which I always picked, was I know how to set up a TV. Uh, yeah, that's the <laughs> sensible one to pick because it's I picked a, a ghost one. I picked the ghost one always. I don't okay, know. I just good. I like that uh, that dialogue. And she asks you like, "Oh, it's, so you, was your mother a scared woman?" And like, you can either agree with her or just be like, 
No, no, she she wasn't like. There's nothing wrong with her. She just needed things to be a certain way. That's all. Yeah. Um. I I just like the idea of Conway going like, oh, yeah. listen, I know how to fucking set up a television. <laughs> no, that's a good <laughs> dialogue option. <laughs> Uh, but she tells you you need to go see her sister, Shannon Marquez, so that she can fix the TV, so that Weaver can use the TV to send you to Kentucky Route Zero so you can get to Five Dogwood Drive. Like, yeah. you are maybe an hour into the game, and you're already, like, four steps removed from what you're supposed to be doing. It's great. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, find Shannon's, uh, like, workshop if you look around for it yeah. on the map. Also, Weaver uh, just disappears. <laughs> Oh yeah, Weaver's just gone. I Weaver is gonna be a re, uh, one of the most important recurring characters. I think at least yeah. important for the characters in the narrative itself. Right. Um, and I and also is probably the character I know least about. What the hell her deal is? They don't tell you much about her. No. I yeah. I feel I, like there is still something about Weaver that like I. Like, maybe I missed something, or I'm not putting something together about her. I don't know. I can make some guesses, but they're all extremely tenuous. Yeah, maybe as we talk through this, we will we will solve the puzzle of Weaver Marquez. I, yeah. By the end of this, I may be dubiously connecting Weaver, Mar- Weaver Marquez to a concept from an Isaac Asimov novel. But Sure, we'll, why we'll not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And you... Marquez is already tied to, like... One of the progenitors of, like, magical realism. Right. Whose name, last name is Marquez, and whose first name is obviously, Google, tell me, it is... (laughs) Please make us look smart. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, Weaver sends you off to find Shannon. You can go to her workshop if you want to. It's, like, in the back of a bait shop. Where, if you want, you can just stick your hand into an electrified aquarium. I mean, I totally did that. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get, like, a flashback uh, from Conway as he passes out from electrocuting himself. That kind of foreshadows some stuff that is not going to be clearly understood until Act 3. About his old job as, like, a roofer. Yeah. Uh, But eventually you end up at the old Elkhorn Mine, which Weaver told you would be the on-ramp for the Zero... But actually, it's Shannon. She's here. Uh, and this is where you meet your next playable character, Shannon Marquez. Shannon uh, is yeah. so good. Shannon rules. Shannon, yeah, Sh- Shannon rules. Um, probably uh, she also, my favorite character, honestly. Uh, I don't know. Junebug's pretty good is the thing. Junebug's, Junebug's real good. Junebug's good. I know. I, I think I just like Shannon because she's... She's so very tired. She's so tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Shannon also had an encounter, let's say, with Weaver tonight. Uh, and was told to come to the Elkhorn Mine to find what she'd been looking for. And even Shannon isn't totally sure what that's supposed to mean. Uh, Conway kind of runs into her looking for the on-ramp. And is just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm clearly not finding this highway anytime soon. I'll help you. Conway's yeah. a very agreeable guy. Yeah. Well, because also, I think her, like, the directions that she gave you were not to the workshop. Right. They were to where she is currently. Right, yeah. She tells you, what she says is, 
Nah, I'll tell you how to get to the Zero, but honestly, I'd rather you find my cousin. Anyway, to get to the Zero, you go to this mine where my cousin is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I should note before we go further, in pretty much every location you get to, uh, you can have a character talk to Blue. Yeah. Um, Slash Homer. We, we, uh, look, you're, you've been outvoted. We will be refer- referring to her as Blue for the remainder of this podcast. I will podcast. be referring to him as Homer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can talk to uh, Blue about like the location you're in. Sometimes you'll just chat about like, hey, how you doing, Blue? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Possibly it matters... denying him treats. At all. Yeah. Or... Why would you deny? Why would you deny Blue their their jerky that yeah, Joseph so kindly gave you? <laughs> well, in well, fairness, Joseph doesn't necessarily instill a lot of confidence in that jerky. <laughs> He's like, ah, it well, didn't come out very good, but I bet a dog could eat it. I mean, it's jerky. It, there's a certain level of quality a jerky's always going to be at. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I was basically like, because it was like, ah, you know, like I. I'll give this to you later, Blue. Yeah. But then you never get the chance to again? Yeah, you don't, do you? <laughs> and listen, that's I guess that's life sometimes. I... <laughs> uh, but Shannon wants to explore this mine, so she uh, gets Conway to get on the PA system and shout into the tunnels for her, uh, which causes a cave-in, and they both fall yes. into the mine. And his leg gets broken. I don't know if it gets broken outright. It gets hurt real bad. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're, like, deliberately kind of ambiguous about what exactly happened to his leg. Yeah, he can still kind of walk on it. It's just pretty painful. But, like, there's clearly yeah. some in- serious internal damage that is slowly making Right, it like, he might have, like, twisted his knee or something. It's It's... It's something that requires medical attention that he does not have access to right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the mine is also like one of, is like the first instance in the game where Kentucky Route Zero makes it clear that it is going to be about some shit. Yeah, it's uh, also the first, like, it's not the first time, but it is maybe the most explicit time when it makes it clear that the, like, chronology of this game doesn't actually make any sense like there's no good answer for when is kentucky route zero set yes yeah that's because the thing with this mine is that it is abandoned because weavers uh weaver and shannon's parents both worked in it uh shannon's were miners weavers had another thing going on that we'll get to but uh shannon's parents died in an accident in the mine that happened when it flooded but as she's going through it, she talks about how the miners were paid in coal scrip that they could use to do things like turn the lights on or, like, buy canaries to send down mine shafts. Yeah, it's basically uh, like a, a almost comedically absurd parody of a company town. Like, ex- an extreme... I yeah. don't know enough about the history of mining towns to say that it's an absurd parody. Okay, yeah, maybe that's true. I think I'm probably being generous to company towns. Yeah, they did some pretty <laughs> heinous shit. Um, yeah. But also notably, that kind of company script was outlawed in the United States in the 30s. 
Uh, which would seem to imply Kentucky Route Zero is set in, like, the 40s or 50s, based on how old Shannon is, but that also can't be right. Yeah, like, it obviously is taking a lot of stuff from, like, the modern recession. Yeah. I, I think that it is a thing, like, an alternate timeline where it's taking place relatively in, like, the 2010s, but where corporations have gotten that back. Yeah, I think it's, that there's not a concrete answer to it. I think it's more dreamy than that. It just kind yeah, of takes place. Yeah, it's meant to be an amalgam of. Like, yeah, like, you know what? The mines are in the 40s, whereas Equus Oils is in, like, the 90s, and this other place is in the 2010s. Like, it's just, it's it's more dreamy than that. Like, there's not a hard yeah. answer to, like, oh, this is an alternate future where the consolidated power company, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, like, I, I, there's nothing like yeah like you said concrete it's just that ha- that's how i interpreted it that's fair uh like at one point they mentioned a digital converter box which is not which was a thing for like a brief period of time right that that gives you a window of about three years when it possibly could have happened yeah for, for me i i didn't really i didn't even ever ever really try to n- like nail the time frame down i was just like the time frame here is kentucky that is the <laughs> Yes, that the, the the time it is set is Kentucky. Yeah, um, yeah. But you explore yeah. this mine. You have to use like an electric cart because Conway's leg is hurt too bad for him to walk. Oh, if you turn off those lights! If you turn yeah. off the lights, there's just a bunch of ghost miners watching you. Yeah, because uh, yes, th- this mine went bad. There was a uh, either through uh, negligence or an accident or just bad shit. Yeah. Uh, they got into a underground lake, and the mine flooded, and they didn't have enough power to uh, pump all of the water out. And yeah, I'm trying so... to remember, did they not make it explicit that it was, like, negligence until Act 4? They, like, when you I... first hear about it, like, Shannon says, like, it was either a piece of, uh, like, machinery that was, like, left on too long... Uh-huh. You know, like a miner not paying attention or, like, just something. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, you don't, you could get the idea that it was, like, definitely, like, some sort of accident. Right, okay. It's just not made explicitly a, co- a company accident. Right. In, in Act 4, you come across a monument to this accident where all of the miners, like, the, the helmets of the dead miners have been left to float in the water uh, surrounding a plaque that just says, like, this... Oh, that. that- that yeah, is what? maybe one of my favorite things of the entire It's so game. good. It's just in yeah. all capital letters. I don't have the exact... I can probably pull I, up I, the exact... I have the exact thing. Like, oh, yeah. Ready. Go for it, then. Uh, we claim these helmets the names of the folks who wore them, and we place them here in their memory, but also as a spit in the greedy green eye of the power company who brought up... Uh, who bought up our old mine and traded our brothers and sisters' safety for a little yield, but only yielded 28 good men and women dead when the walls collapsed and the tunnel filled with water. Their lungs were black, but now they're washed clean and full of water too, and swept through hidden tunnels into some awful cave we will never find, and so we guess the water buried them for us, so let us let, let us this here be their marker for their grave. Just fuck, man. There's Just a little bit more there too, isn't there? Yeah, I don't have that with me. I okay, just have, like, yeah, a it, there's like it, it has a coda where like, and if any son of a bitch from the power company wants to take one of these helmets, they can do it over our dead bodies. Yeah, just the line. So we guess the water buried them for us. Just like hit yeah. me in such a like 
primordial way. Yeah, yeah. There is some really evocative gut punch writing in yep. this game. Very much so. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so you can explore the mine for a little bit. Um, you can even come across a uh, like a sort of stage area um, where Shannon talks about. Uh, sort of researchers there who were doing experiments with i believe it was sound yeah what they were doing is they were studying they were local archivists folk music. oh yeah, yeah folk song archivists thank you uh kentucky root zero wiki <laughs> yeah and you eventually learned this was weaver marquez's parents who were these academics that came down here to study local folk songs and they even in this mine built a recording studio so that when miners were on their lunch break and maybe felt like helping them out, they could come into this little wooden recording studio and sing for them so they could record it. Yeah, and also eventually the company started using it so that they could get paid through. Yeah, she mentions like, oh, the company took an interest in the project and started giving out uh, tokens for miners that cooperated. And that establishes a very kind of interesting like aspect of marquez and uh like the 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 marquez cousins yeah yeah and it's interesting that they don't like there is no dialogue that where shannon like overtly expresses an opinion about any of this she just describes it to you like there's no firm position that the game takes about this it's just here's a thing just let it sit with you and think about it yeah, because there's a lot of ways you can take it. Yeah, very much so. Because uh, one thing that I did pick up on is, like, Shannon is kind of uh, surprised that of all the things to survive the flood, the recording studio did. Yeah. Like, this pet project of these two academics, practically unharmed. All of the safety equipment and human bodies, those got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, there's like a weird friction there that it doesn't want to, it wants you to just have to sit with. Yeah, Yeah, and I think partly because, uh, Shannon is like not sure where she sits with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, Shannon has a complex relationship with Weaver. Yeah, very much so. Uh, over the course of this, you kind of get more of their backstory. Where, yeah, Weaver was always, like, a very smart kid. Uh, a very, like, you know... They, they kind of imply that maybe she is uh, neurodivergent. Uh, they mentioned that, like, she had to see a lot of doctors and, like, take some kind of medication. I think they imply it's, like, ADD medicine. And yeah. that Shannon, like, she would share it with Shannon, and it would help Shannon focus until one time she, like, zoned out for an entire, like, afternoon and stopped taking it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so eventually uh, you get told that you need to go back to uh, the Weaver house because you're like, fuck, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, they get out of the mine, and it's like, well... I don't know how to get you to the zero, but I know how to fix a TV. I guess let's go back and see Weaver. I haven't seen her uh, in years until tonight, so that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's we like, all kind of just thought she died. Yeah, it's weird that you like are saying that she was kind of like super cool with you and me, like considering what like 
we kind of went on bad terms. Yeah, or not even necessarily bad terms. It's just she kind of ghosted us. She just left. Yeah. Maybe, literally. (laughs) Um, She does say that... uh, Because one of the things is that uh, she she never lies. Yeah. Uh, She says that uh, her and her parents went underwater for a bit and she had to leave. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and she's talking, like, in the moment, she's talking about, like, oh, the debt of the house that they built. But then you learn about the drowning. Yeah. Uh, But you go back to the Marquez farmhouse. Shannon fixes the TV, and it's a very cool effect where the barn out back switches places with the cave on screen. Mm -hmm. And, like... Conway and Shannon watch as they drive into the cave on screen, and that's just the end of the act. Yeah. Yes. Before and then when we, we move... come back to them, they're just on the zero. Before we move on to talking about the the other acts in a little less detail, <laughs> do you want to talk about Carrington? Oh yeah. Yeah, we should talk about Carrington. Did the, you the know character... about Carrington, Dustin? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah, so if you go back to Equisoils before going to the Marquez farmhouse, there's a whole new character there named Carrington. He's a big guy in a trench coat that has a giant pair of deer antlers slung over his shoulder. I am almost convinced myself that he, this was only added now. There, no, but you can find references to him from before now. I don't believe you. I don't want to believe you. <laughs> He's in the entertainment. He's the director of the entertainment. I yeah. know they ad- they added him into the main game later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I just never thought to go back to Equus Oils and all Me those either. times I replayed it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he explains that he is uh, a an experimental avant-garde theater director, and he wants to. He, he's in the middle of trying to stage a production of. The uh, Death of the Hired Man by Robert Frost. Right, which is a poem by Robert Frost that he's adapted for the stage. But uh, he doesn't have a venue for his great uh, masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, he asks you like a lot of questions. And it's he is both like extremely like avant-garde, but also extremely folksy, which is something that Luke has kind of touched on in his piece. Uh-huh. Of how those work together much better than you might think. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of just what this game is, right? It's combining kind of a folk art aesthetic with, like, a more highfalutin modern art aesthetic. Uh, which I think also kind of, like, it that makes sense for Kentucky. Because, like, Louisville is known for being, like, a big art city. Like, it's got a big museum with, like, a whole bunch of, like, modern art exhibits. And it's got, like a big like theater scene and that kind of stuff. So like that feels, that feels like as true to Kentucky as like the horse, like horses blocking your way on the road in act three feel true to Kentucky, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, but yeah, Carrington just like you could, and he basically asks you like, Hey, where do you think I should, uh, where do you think I should, like, uh, you know, set up stage for this 
play. I can't remember right. if you can su- give a him a suggestion he uses in Act One. I know no, you can. No, that's in Act not to like two. Yeah, in yeah. Act yeah. One you can just tell him you'll keep an eye out for him. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he'll he'll show up from time to time. Right. So then you get to the first interstitial limits and demonstrations. Speaking of like art in Kentucky, yeah. This is a uh, uh, an interactive art exhibit. Something I learned uh, recently. This was part of an actual art exhibit initially. Yes. Lula Chamberlain, the person whose works are on display in the video game, was a real person. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. She was a real installation artist. Uh, this was originally made for an art exhibit in Philadelphia called Limits and Demonstrations. Uh, where they showed off a bunch of Lula Chamberlain's installation artwork, including some of the pieces that are in the game. Uh, and then they used the video game to show off pieces that they weren't able to reconstruct. (laughs) (laughs) You would walk through the museum, see all the exhibits, and then at the end you'd get to a terminal where you played limits and demonstrations and saw the exhibits. And... Except they, like, don't have all the references, like, to the Zero and stuff. I, I would assume that version of it didn't have Kentucky Route Zero ties. Wait, hold on. Where, where are you finding that Lula Chamberlain was a real person? I'm Googling and I cannot... It, there's not much information for her online. You kind of have to, like, do a search for, like, without Kentucky Route Zero. zero. Uh, here is, uh... Let me try to find what I had before. Like, I, I found, like... A photo of, like, the real-life version of the, the tape player um, installation before. Yeah, And also, can... like, a write-up from, like... So the... that magnetic tape, like, adventure game thing existed? Yes. Yes. Well, yes and no. So that thing existed. All of the tapes have been, like, ruined and unplayable for decades. So no one knows what was actually on them at the time. <laughs> And Cardboard Computer took artistic license and made what was on them be Kentucky Route Zero shit. God. Here's, uh, hey. here's like a oh, news oh, write-up. Oh, yeah, of... you're right. In, in, I Sorry, in the wiki, it yeah, Little Berlin yeah. exhibition. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah sent you like a review of the exhibition, I think is what it is. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, what's the difference between virtual reality and reality itself? That's one of the questions raised by Limits and Demonstrations, the latest exhibit at Kensington Arts Collective Little Berlin. Oh, man. Yeah, it's wild. (laughs) And then this lady is now just a character in this game. Right. A a really important one, too. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. But yeah, Limits and Demonstrations, you play as yeah. Emily, Ben, and Bob, the D&D ghosts from the beginning of Act 1. And they're just having a nice museum day. Yeah. And then uh, you go through the museum and just, like, look at some shit. You just look at pieces, you go through dialogue trees to, like, play out their conversations about the art they're looking at. Uh, it's very, like, inconsequential sounds negative, but, like, no, you're just kind of exploring these art pieces and also these characters by just having this moment with them. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that, like, I think it was a lot more novel back in 2013 than it comes off now. Yeah. Because, uh, mm-hmm. honestly, the fact that it was part of a real art installation, I think, still makes it pretty fucking novel, but... 
Uh, yeah, like, I feel like this is the kind of thing that, like, is not so rare these days. But it was neat at the time. Yeah, I mean, like, these days you have uh, Bubsy 3D. Exactly. Where... Yeah. <laughs> What was that full title? Bubsy uh, 3D, Bubsy Visits the James Terrell Retrospective. Yeah, ex- there we go. Thank the you. The spiritual man. sequel to Limits and Demonstrations. I knew I could really? come on you. <laughs> uh, but kind of, you know, important to the plot, like we said, there's an installation that is essentially a choose-your-own-adventure recorded on magnetic tape where you move the playhead around a strip of tape to listen to recordings that then end in directions on, like, where to move the tape to listen to the next part based on your choices. Uh, And you learn a little bit about Lula from doing this. She was part of some research project with these two guys named Donald and Joseph. Probably not the same Joseph we already met. That'd be crazy. Clearly not. (laughs) Clearly not. Yeah. Uh, And they had some kind of falling out over some kind of machine that they moved into a cave? Doesn't matter. Won't come up yeah, again. Yeah, it's just a side story thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, this is just like a random short interstitial segment. <laughs> there's, right. there's nothing important that could be in here. No. Uh, and it ends with Lula basically telling both of them to fuck off. She's going down the zero. And uh, it ends there. Yeah. Uh, and which... so then the game starts up with Lulu... Yeah. Uh, Lula and the Zero. Yep. She's working for the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces. Oh, what a beautiful thing. (laughs) A secret government organization that uh, basically repossesses any abandoned property and assigns... It gentrifies it. Basically gentrifies it, yeah. Assigns its use to something that it is clearly, like, not suitable for. Yeah. Like, you spend time going through a bunch of her case files where it's like, oh... Here's an abandoned hospital we'd like to turn into an auto dealership. Uh, here's a basketball court we want to turn into a fucking... I don't remember what they turned the It's a dog kennel. And then right. a... Uh, turn a distillery that was originally at one point a graveyard that they turned into a distillery. And now turn it back into a uh, graveyard again. Yeah. That's not going to come up again either. A oh lot of God. things that just don't matter. Oh, God. <laughs> They really uh, just what, bring up all these weird side things that never come up again. <laughs> one one of the best parts of that is the line, uh, "Church can now be used as church." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also do like the bit where it's like hospital closed down due to uh, multiple sanitary violations. Auto dealerships have comparatively laxer restrictions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, where if you talk to Carrington in Act 1, he interrupts this scene to be like, hey, have you found a space to reclaim for my play? And at that point, it struck me that playing the game with Carrington, like, activated feels like when you play, like, Persona 4 Golden and Marie is just shoved into every scene like she's always (laughs) been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, hey, buddy, don't mind these antlers. I'm supposed yeah. to be here. Which, like, he's been there from the start, so that's not a fair criticism, but yeah, it no. really felt that way. <laughs> yeah. Cause just because, like, like, I've played... It's the, like a new this... game plus, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but Conway and Shannon have gotten hopelessly lost in the Zero. They show up at the Bureau, uh, because it's where the Zero keeps spitting them back out at. And, uh... 
they have to go through some bureaucratic hell to get any help from the bureau. Yeah. You get this uh, whole, like, little, like, s- like ersatz puzzle where you get sent up and down a bunch of floors and have to talk to people. There's also my favorite visual gag, which you, is when you first third walk floor into, bears. <laughs> you walk into the elevator, it's like, first floor offices, second floor conference room, third floor bears, fourth floor archives, fifth floor drafting. It's like, wait, hold on, what? <laughs> And then you and, go up there, and it's just an entire office floor full of bears. <laughs> and the animation of them slow, like slowly turning, or it's so if, look at you. Funny. Or if you just go by, like the one or two bears, just like up elevator. <laughs> yeah, they don't, so they don't good. move at all. You can't interact with them. Their heads just track you as you move. Yeah, it's just some bears there, man. It's the best. Uh, yeah, it's just like, whenever it feels like Kentucky Route Zero is getting too serious or intense, they'll right. put a third floor bears in there. Yeah, yeah. Just to bring uh, it back it, down a bit. But eventually the idea is that you get impatient with being given the runaround and just go talk to Lula because you know who Lula is from the intro. Yeah. Yes. And, and also, like, eventually like it's like oh yeah that's lula but like you need to go like this this and like oh she can't actually help you right now but like you can help get help with this guy because he's not doing anything like oh actually i am doing something but right it's just fucking a lot eventually you talk to lula and she says like oh yeah we can help you get to dogwood drive but the problem is that like there's definitely not just a dogwood drive out there we got to figure out which dogwood drive uh so anyway go up to the like fifth floor look through our like like boxes and boxes of paperwork you're looking for like any files on road name changes those aren't there they're still at their storage unit because this is a new location for them yeah and also their sorting system is incredibly obtuse like they sort by category but the categories are assigned almost arbitrarily yeah, look under, like, O for autonyms, or uh, maybe G C. for generic, I think, was yeah. one of them. Or <laughs> yeah, S yeah. for specific. Yeah. Uh, but eventually she says, like, all right, yeah, so we reclaimed this space from a church congregation that used to worship here. Uh, it's ours now, but we still let them worship in our storage unit, so it's all, you know, they still have a yeah. church. Yeah, like, they're like, it's great. It's for them. Like, they're having a lot of fun over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she gives you directions to the storage unit. There's some side stuff you can do on the Zero also, which is just a magical circle highway that changes every time you turn around. Yeah, the... I really like it because the visuals of the Zero are just some of the coolest in the game, where it's... So, like, this imagery will come in again, uh, come up multiple times, but it's like a oscilloscope. Yeah. Um, the tunnels are made out of circular oscilloscope waves um, that narrow and widen as you go throughout the zero. Yeah. Um, and you basically just have to navigate by stopping at landmarks. Like, not even landmarks, but just visuals of objects that appear seemingly out of nowhere you stop for a while to let them solidify and then you go back and then you like reverse course to continue on 
Yeah. I just posted an actual map that someone made of the zero. Oh god. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Ooh. It's, it's just a bunch of like spirals connected to each other. Yeah, it looks like, like a that looks like an <laughs> octopus just took some mushrooms and went to town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, the instructions for uh, getting to the storage facility is, like, uh, drive clockwise till you see the crystal, then turn around. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you you get to a storage facility that's called Random Access Self-Storage. Yeah. Uh, and you, Conway talks to the janitor, and, and one of many instances where this will happen throughout the acts, um, where you sometimes just don't get to see what some of the stuff that occurs um, Shannon goes off on her own to find the information need, and Conway just sticks around with the janitor yeah. as he plays recordings of previous sermons. Because no yeah, one—it's weirdly like a actually mirror comes of the, here. the church with the tape recorder that you found in Act One. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is no one comes to the church anymore, and at first the like preacher stopped coming. So, but he would just send tapes yeah and then people stop showing up because it's hard it it was difficult to get to this place right and so eventually no one comes anymore so he this guy just keeps it going and he's like you can talk to me he's like oh is this your hobby he's like i guess like it feels like not right to call this a hobby but like i guess yeah also shout outs to the wiki for preserving like probably the most important quote from that scene uh in the captions for the uh uh for this image i'm looking at uh where the janitor brandon uh is talking to conway about the 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 sermon he's he's uh replaying for the evening and he says work is play for mortal stakes that's the title of the the evening's homily in fact yeah 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 uh, Brand- also... Brandon is yeah. also a person who comes back that I could not believe. Yeah, Brandon the janitor is the character we close on. <laughs> Wait, oh, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, he's the guy from uh, Death of the Hired Man at the end. Oh god, I did it not comes... connect that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I totally he... forgot about him. He's in Act Four too. Uh, I forget what he does in it though. He's by the phone. That's right. That's right. Um, oh man. But. Uh... Uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah. So also, Lula. In addition to showing you where the storage location was, she gave you directions to Doctor Terrell, her doctor, uh, to look at Conway's fucked up leg. Doctor Truman. Doctor Truman. What? Where did I get Terrell from? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's. <laughs> I. Who knows? Uh. But yeah. Uh. He's he's up on the surface. Uh. So you'll have to leave the zero to get to him, and that's that's no easy feat. Um, but, uh, another bit of conversation I like with Brandon is he sees Conway's fucked up leg and he goes, listen, I get it. Probably everyone's telling you to go to the doctor, huh? But that's expensive. I remember my dad sawed his whole arm off one time in a logging accident and he just sewed it back on himself. He couldn't afford a doctor and, you know, he could never really use his hand right after that. And he kind of got quiet and depressed i don't know and it just kind of trails off it's like yeah. jesus brandon is a very strange and sad person yeah yeah like almost every character in this is very yes. strange and sad yeah um so yeah you go you go back to the bureau 
Um, and well, yeah, no, you Luke... don't. Uh, Shannon gets the information to take to the bureau, but then Conway passes out from the pain in his leg. Oh, and, uh, does that happen then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, we need to get you to a fucking doctor now. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I forgot that he passed out there. Yeah. And then, oh, maybe the Bureau tells him how to get back to the surface? I don't remember. You end up back on the surface. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, you get directions to Dr. Truman's house, but his house isn't there. Instead, there is a gargantuan museum. A museum of dwellings. The museum of dwellings, which is real fucked up. Yeah, yeah it's just like, this... like a collection of people's houses that they are still living in. Yeah, I mean, like the bureau is kind of like, like you said, it's sort of a metaphor for gentrification. If you didn't catch that one, this one is like just a sledgehammer to the head. Yeah, like it is. Oh, this... here. Go ahead. Here is a like place where people you have to we demolish the neighborhood to put up a thing you have to pay to yeah see people in a neighborhood right and all the people who used to live in that neighborhood still live in their houses inside this giant building but now they're exhibits for the museum goers to see yes it's like and uh, here's how these people used to live aren't they exotic right right and it's like they have like there's an exhibit that's a tent there's one that's a chicken coop they have, like, the the Marquez farmhouse in here for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and during this whole sequence, it's really cool. You don't do the dialogue of Conway or Shannon. The dialogue is all an interview that the museum staff is having with the people who live there after the fact. And they're, like, interviewing them about the two weirdos that broke into the museum in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah, there's elements of, like, found footage to this game at some points. Uh-huh. And, yeah, like, this is one of the first points of that. Right, which I think one of the big moments in this for me is uh, one of the people being interviewed, like, kind of answers their questions but then shrugs off all the stuff about Conway and Shannon. Says like, hey, when are you guys going to, like, finish building this place? Because it rained real hard that night and... This is a giant metal tube with no roof right now, and I mean, listen, we're all real grateful that you let us keep our houses, but you don't want to be slumlords now, do you? And it just ends there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it feels very much like again, it's a similar theme to uh, the academics studying the mining folk songs, where it's like this weird, like friction almost between. Like, ex- yeah, like, it almost an experiment. Yeah, but it's like this detached uh, academic uh, exhibition of just normal people living their fucking lives. Yeah. And, like, the people doing the exhibiting not having any, like, recognition or respect for the dignity of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they confirm it, but this place is definitely owned by the Consolidated Power Company, right? Yeah, yeah it for seems sure. pretty clear. Like... Odds are, if it's a profitable business, it's owned by the Consolidated Power Company. Yes. Yeah, because I think, uh, yeah, one, one of the people that gets interviewed mentions that he thinks, that he initially thought that, um, his name is Fred, he initially thought that, like, uh, uh, Shannon and Conway were from the power company. Right, Like, they right, were checking right. up on things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the museum staff's answers is, oh, they definitely weren't from the power company. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but you climb this huge, ridiculous museum uh, where rainwater is just pouring in from outside. There's a bad storm going on tonight in Kentucky. Yeah. And <laughs> That's not going to matter. When you get to the top of the thing, you just... As lightning flashes, there's just a big fucking bird. There's just like a uh, King Kong-sized eagle. Yeah. And a little boy with his hands on his hips. Oh, that boy. I love... That's a good... Listen. Ezra's a good boy. Uh, Shannon's great. You know who's also great? Ezra. Ezra's pretty great. Uh, Uh, Yeah. The first time I played this game, like, back on, like, my shitty PC at the time... Uh, it crashed when uh, Julian landed, and I thought that was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you would think that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ezra tells you that Dr. Truman isn't here. He left because he didn't want to live in a fucking museum, but he can take you to where he is uh, with the help of his brother, Julian, the giant eagle. Yeah. And uh, Julian swoops down and grabs everybody and flies you off to the woods. I like and how flying with Julian recontextualizes the map from Act 1. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's more stuff you can find, including, like, little, like, almost, like, epilogues to what you found before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, like, it gives which... you a, it literally gives you a different perspective on places you visited in Act 1, plus it lets you go farther out where roads cannot reach. Right. Yes. But, uh, uh, you can, like, uh, one of the characters that also is a weird reoccurring character is the uh, singer with his dog. Oh, yeah. Because you, you see him in Act 1, and you can put a dollar in his cup, which is full of whiskey. <laughs> right, he wasn't performing for money. And you can find him here and find him in Act 4. Wait, is he, is he like, a character in Act 4? Is he the... Like, is he Will? No. Uh, no, he, in okay. Act 4, he's just one of the people you can... That, that shows up along the river. Oh, okay. Right? Yes. He is in a floating bicycle. Yeah. Oh, that guy! Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's one thing I actually do remember. <laughs> for once. Uh, yeah, so Julian takes you to... Uh, out to the forest where basically because um like the the people in the houses can't sleep inside the dome julian takes all the houses at night back to the forest so the residents can actually get their shut eye um and uh truman's house has already been taken over to the forest so that's where julian has to take you as well yeah it's Uh, very like long melancholy scene like People talk about a lot of the Act 3 stuff for good reason. This scene, like, hits me. Yeah, this scene is really good. And it's... You control uh, Ezra the whole time, and Ezra is just running through the woods. There's this really cool effect where the trees kind of blend together, and there are tree-shaped gaps in the trees that then are almost in the foreground. So, like, you're seeing the background in front of the foreground in places. It's a hard-to-describe effect, but it looks really cool. Yeah, it's it's really trippy. It's almost like it's doing constant um, constant screen wipes with the trees themselves. Yeah. Um, 
It is specifically based on a painting by uh, my favorite painter of all time, Rene Margette. Ooh. Uh, specifically the uh, Le Blanc Siong uh, painting, uh, which I'm going to link here for all of you. Nice. I feel like I'm going to have to do so many show notes for this. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. That's okay. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah. That is just straight up a reference to that. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, but the way that they do it in motion and how it parallaxes is so effective. Yeah. And just you walking by as they're going from house to house finding trying to find this doctor. and like right, the it's little... like... Conway and Shannon aren't moving, but you'll like walk past them and then come up on them again, like, and it's clear that time has passed and they've just you're seeing another point in time. Yeah, it's almost like a moving comic strip, and like, yeah, it, there's there are so many visual effects in this game where you'll be like, how the fuck did they get that to work? And this is yeah. one of the biggest ones, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the dialogue you get here is. Conway being very determined to get this fucking delivery done and Shannon not really getting why it's so important and he breaks to her that this is the last delivery that he's ever going to do and uh, you get a couple options for why that is I think it's either the shop is closing down or Conway can just say I'm just not as tough as I used to be which there's something so heartbreaking about that one yeah yeah, I, I went with I'm not as tough as I used to be. There's just... Because yeah. he's, like, limping along all night. He's just... I don't know. It's... Like, he's such a, like... He doesn't bear his heart very much. And that moment is just, like, just enough that it just killed me. Yeah. It's really interesting how you can play Conway as a dude who is constantly, uh... Like, fucking up. Like, like constantly, like, keeping it all within himself and yeah not letting anyone in or that he is slowly letting uh uh shannon in there's yeah, a yeah. moment in act two it's like a, one of the side things but it's one of the side things that has visuals uh-huh where it's just like a really starry night and you could say that like shannon can go like oh actually i've been here before like on a really bad date uh and he just goes well maybe this time you could well, now every time you pass by it, you'll just say you're here with the your last time you're here with, with, with was with a good friend. Yeah, that's that's and good. like that's the that's the end of the scene. It's like, yeah, oh, like he they've only known each other for, uh, like a day, but like not even a day, but like they are already kind of like bonded in a way. Yeah, you weirdly you, buy that they're just like friends, even though they barely know each other. You brought up the zero, and I almost forgot, like. There's a really weird spot in the zero that you can find where there where Shannon and um Conway are in the truck and they're in a tunnel and they briefly talk about like deja vu. Yeah. And it yeah. zooms out. And I recognize this because in in the mine in Act One, if you go far enough to the left on one of the routes, you can barely make out something at the edges like there's some sort of hollow space right where right before, oh, wow. right after the team stopped yeah. digging that's and that really is cool. the spot that you see during the deja vu sequence so like they were about to dig into the zero yeah, yeah. that's cool <laughs> um but eventually you find dr truman 
And uh, he seems like a friendly guy. He's telling Conway this whole story about uh, his medical school expenses. And, like, basically he had to accept a scholarship from a pharmaceutical company. And it came with some strings attached. Uh, he has to use their uh, and their, their medication, Neuropnol TM. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's just a thing where he is trying his best in this. Right, he's like, yeah, I mean, it sucks. There's these weird strings that are attached, but I get to be a doctor and I get to help people, and, like, that's worth it to me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're going to be using this drug I just described for your operation. Shouldn't be too bad. Uh, I'm going to just administer it to you. All right, now that you're all drugged up, let's talk about your billing options. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he, like, specifically mentions that there was, like, a family member of his who had horrible joint pain. Yeah. And, like, really bad, like, degradation. And so, like, that's why he, like, specialized in this. Right. And, like, it's just, like, I'm like, yeah, like, this isn't the most profitable thing, so. Right. <laughs> Had to take a few strings. But it is also just one of those things where, yeah, he seems like a friendly guy. He talks about he has this earnest desire to help people. And then he rat fucks you. Yeah. He, this is the start of Conway's downfall. Yeah. yeah, like, like it's this, like this the, is what took the last him. scene of the act is him saying, "All right, I'm going to count down from five, and then the anesthetic should be in effect." Five, four, three, two, one. Let's discuss billing options. Then fade to black. Yeah, yeah. like that's horrible. Yeah, it's just, <sighs> and like knowing where Conway ends up because of this. Right. It's even more horrible and sad and... Yeah. God, this fucking game. Yeah, all he, all yeah. he wanted to do was fix his leg. Right. <laughs> his um, leg that got hurt while doing his job. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to the entertainment. Yep. The I don't know if the entertainment is my favorite. It's up there, though. It's pretty um, good. It's, yeah. I... Th- uh, I think I might like uh, the people of nowhere better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Un Pueblo de Nada is probably my favorite interlude. Um, I mean, uh, but here and there along the echo is also very good, though. I, it's good, but I, I don't know. I it's hard. I to just pick a could not me. bear its particular brand of bullshit for too long. Oh man, no! I laughed it up. <laughs> yeah, I could listen to that man talk to me forever. Yeah, it's it's definitely the most this will appeal to Homestuck fans. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the entertainment... the entertainment is probably one of the most important for contextualizing what the back half of Kentucky Route Zero is going to be really focusing on. The entertainment is... is if you haven't gotten what the themes of this game yet are, let us tell you. Yeah, like we literally spell it out at one point and and. Dumbass me when I was 23 in 2014 still didn't fucking get it. Nope. Yeah, I mean, that was back before we became radicalized. Well, at least for uh, f- quite a few of us. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the entertainment... Uh, yeah, like, oh, go ahead. This game is already, like, pretty, like, going for it. It only keeps going for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the entertainment is a play that was staged by Carrington... Uh, in the 70s, apparently. Again, the timeline makes no sense yeah, in this Whatever game. the 70s were in relation to where we currently are. Right, yeah. Uh, 
It is an adaptation of two plays by a local playwright, Lem Doolittle, who mysteriously disappeared one day. Yep. That's uh, probably fine. You can fine. also buy these two plays. Yeah, uh, there, on the website, there is a virtual reality option uh, where they instruct you to download the scripts, get some actors, build a set however you'd like, and act out the play. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, it ends on a note of, like, this will probably be expensive, but it'll be less expensive than a VR headset. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you... It, it's two plays put together. I forget what the main play is called. Uh, it's like There Comes a Reckoning or something like that? Yeah, I'm checking here. Um, and then, like, the other one is called The Drunk. The Barfly. The, the Barfly, fly, yeah. And yeah. that is the role you are playing. Yeah, you play the role of the barfly, which seems like a shitty play. I I could see as someone who like pro, like studied theater. Yeah, I could see why someone would like watch this. It is a one man show about a drunk man sitting alone at a table, being depressed, with no dialogue. Yeah, and just it's, pantomiming it, things. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that is like, if you saw like. A really good actor would do this as like once, and everyone would lose their minds. And then yeah, yeah, fifty million shitty actors would try to recreate it. That yeah, it would immediately lose its yeah appeal. Uh, but right. yeah, you're right. the the fir- The main play is called A Reckoning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, oh, and boy, of, is it a reckoning! <laughs> both of these plays are set in a bar, so Carrington's big experimental idea was to stage both plays simultaneously, which all the you can read, like, play reviews by turning around and looking at the audience. They treat it like it's a very big, audacious thing, when functionally all he did was add an extra to the scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really not that shocking. But also, I feel like that's why what a lot of, like, small print, like, art, probably, like, very artist-driven yeah. theater reviews would be. Yeah, yeah, like, they're, you gotta, look, you gotta fill the column you're given. There is, like, if the entertainment was a real play, it's something I could have, like, had to go to for a field trip one time in, like, high school. <laughs> yeah. 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 We definitely uh-huh. went to, like, local theater stuff sometimes. Um, because it's great, because you could just see Carrington, uh, Lula, and, uh, what's the third dude's name? Is it the- Donald? It- I don't know if it's Donald at that point, or it might be Joseph. I don't remember. But it's just, he has a huge beard, which I think that might be Donald. Yeah, and also Emily, Ben, and Bob are in the audience. Yeah, which again, fucks yeah, up the Yeah, the timeline whole. makes no sense. Everything's happening simultaneously. Also, right. everything's a loop. Yeah. Uh, but basically, the plot of uh, the entertainment is, uh, it focuses on this bar, the hard times ta- no not no what's the fuck what's uh, the bar called yeah, yeah oh, the lower yeah. depths yeah the lower, lower depths, depths yes the whiskey brand is called hard times right right yeah it's the only uh, one that that harry can sell also if you drove around in act one you could find the lower depths yeah and uh carrington won't, uh won't go in it or Conway won't go in it. Conway won't go... He, like, that's your first hint that he's a recovering alcoholic. That he's like, oh, no, it's not a good idea for me to go in there. 
but you can go around to the back where there's trash cans with neatly folded piles of clothes. That's yeah. probably nothing. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, in the lower depths, you have uh, Harry and I don't remember this woman's name. Pearl. Pearl. Uh, and they're just kind of talking. It, it's this very long kind of character-driven piece. Uh, Harry can only serve hard times whiskey. He's got this weird thing where he went on vacation for like two weeks, but he can't keep his story straight about what he did on his vacation. Yeah, like he keeps on going from like spending all the time on the beach and then like... Oh, yeah, the ladies are on the pool, and they're kind of, at first, like, jokingly, like, giving him shit, like, oh, is it a beach or a pool? But he gets weirdly defensive about it when they do. Yeah. And so, like, they start getting, like, weirdly, like, okay, was it a fucking pool or was it a beach? What are you saying? Oh, sorry. It's it's Evelyn, not Pearl. Pearl comes later. Oh, Pearl's the the woman who leaves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's she's the one who talks about cutting off her her parents from uh, her generosity. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this the first woman, she's also, like, in a bad, what seems to be a bad relationship. Not because of, like, anything, like, that anyone is doing. Right. Just because it's just, like, man, like, oh, these are two unhappy people. Or at least one unhappy person. Yeah, like, yeah, by, it almost seems like the problem the end, is that the becomes, other person's happy. Yeah, like, by the end it becomes clear that Evelyn wants to believe that her husband is cheating on, on her so she can have an excuse to be free of him. Yeah. Yes. But, like, he actually loves her, and that's the worst thing for her. Yeah. Uh, Which, man, fuck, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's a whole thing where, like, they used to own a hardware store, but times got tough, so they had to sell it, and now he, like, works for the hardware supplier selling hammers, and he's, like, a traveling salesman, and she never sees him anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, like, so... there's a lot of jokes about, like, I bet he's hammering some girls right now. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pearl comes in at some point to explain that... Uh, she has been saving up her money, and she is ditching everybody for California. Uh, she is cutting her parents off, who have been kind of uh, mooching off of her for a long time. Uh, uh, Harry she... is very concerned about this because her parents owe him a lot of money that he knows he's not getting unless Pearl gives it to him. But also, he can't really, like, it, she doesn't owe him anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh... And also, he is worried about debt for other reasons. Yeah, he's talking a lot about debt and how you better settle your debts because there comes a reckoning, don't you know? Uh, Anyway, we're serving hard times today. That's all we're serving. Uh, Pearl is also sells... What's the exact term? Because this is... Payday payday advance loans. Payday loans. She works at a pawn shop and she has this whole monologue about how her boss has invented a new type of financial technology called a payday advance. Yeah. Uh, Which is unfortunately an all-too-real thing that exists in our current reality. Right, well, she kind of walks Harry through, like, okay, here's how a pawn shop works. You know, you pawn something you own, you give it to us, basically as collateral on a loan. You either pay us back, in which case you get your stuff back, or you don't, and we sell your thing. It's not, like, great, but there's... There's a fairness there, sort of, right? Uh, payday advances are just risk, like uh, security-free loans with very high interest rates. 
And uh, Harry kind of balks at this idea. Well, she explains, like, the whole thing is like, yeah, no one can actually keep up with these payments. That's the point. My boss just bundles up a bunch of them and then sells them to a bank. And then the bank comes after these people, but who cares, right? Yeah, and Harry's like, well, who would ever get these? And Right, and Pearl says, who do you think, Harry? He's got me selling them. I'm the only dark-skinned clerk in the shop. Yeah, it's just like, and hey, like by the way, said... this is about class. And race. <laughs> and race, yeah. and the intersectionality of them. Yeah. Yeah, like... and she's like, yeah, would people like me see someone like me you know see like one of our own we assume that it's good for us that like oh like don't worry i'm one of you and like i'm here to help you but i'm not i wouldn't sell you out right so she's had enough of that and she's been saving her money she's leaving and she's gonna go be like an honest bank teller in california free from all of her uh like burdens here in kentucky uh the if she specifically said that there's, they invented a new type of debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Which is probably uh, the most important line in this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, little does she know that there's a way scarier type of debt that's been invented, also. Yes. Uh, basically, it ends. Her parents are there. Uh, they're they've been celebrating and running up their tab, and then Pearl lets them know what's going on, and. Uh, they're kind of mortified, and basically the punchline of all of this is Harry reveals that he sold their tabs to the Hard Times Distillery so that he could keep his uh, shelves stocked with alcohol because uh, he can't afford to do it any other way, and uh, they don't owe anything to him anymore. They owe it to Hard Times. You don't understand. They put the debt in the whiskey. Yeah. And uh, the play stops, and you can look this, around. This was this a legit the, jump scare the first time it happened. This is to so me. fucking scary. It's one of the most like shocking moments of this entire piece of like, and it's a shock that is purely visual and you, audio. Yeah, you turn around and there is just a glowing orange electric skeleton standing in front of the audience. Yeah, and like what makes this work so well is like because I remember from I still remember this very vividly the first time I played this game. Like if you're if you're doing it as you normally will, your your camera because it's in first person is probably going to be still looking forward at the actors. So when this final thing happens, you're going to be hearing a like electrical buzzing sound coming from behind you cuz it is right. using stereo sound. Yeah. Uh and so like yeah, look around. Yeah, and just suddenly there's this glowing skeleton like writing stuff down in a book. Yeah. And it's it was I, like I legitimately got scared the first time right. I saw it. It's like I don't know what the fuck that uh, glowing orange skeleton is. That's weird. At the time, I didn't think I understood that uh, the entertainment was explicitly a Kentucky Route Zero thing. I thought it was just something else they made. Uh, but then Act 3 starts. And who boy. <laughs> and Conway's leg now looks like the skeletons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, this, uh, and, and, yeah. Yeah, and from Act 3 onward, it becomes more obvious that like kentucky route zero 
like is going to be exploring all the different types of ways that like all the different types of debt both literal and like emotional and metaphorical yeah that people will find themselves in and mm-hmm. the new ways that capitalism convinces themselves that the capitalism will convince people that being in debt in these ways is natural and something that is entirely because of the choices that these people have made and that it is righteous uh, it is a good thing that they are laboring to get out of under get out from under this debt yeah and yeah. act three is is all about that yeah receiving and paying off debt is the highest thing you can do right all right, so on to Act Three of Kentucky Route Zero. We finally got there. Yeah, yeah, we did. I'd still, I'm still reeling from you thinking this would be like I don't know, 45 minutes and out. Look, I, I have no excuses. <laughs> uh, Act Three, I feel like, is when a lot of stuff that like people see is like very important in Kentucky Road Zero happens, or at least, like, in the, like, larger narrative of, like, how Kentucky Route Zero was perceived. Act 3 was the point where, like, fans of it went from saying, oh, this is a really cool, unique thing, to saying this is, like, a masterpiece, not just for video games, but for, like, all art. It, it's maybe when we got a little bit insufferable, because fuck Act yeah. 3 is good, and maybe we got a little over-enthusiastic about it. Yeah. That's that's probably accurate, but also in our defense, this is the one where Junebug shows up. Yeah, I did find uh, a Steam review I wrote of Kentucky Route Zero after Act 3 came out. I wish I hadn't immediately deleted it out of shame, because I could read it here and publicly shame myself. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, it was just like a paragraph of me being like, every other game is fucking bullshit. If you play Act 3 at Kentucky Route Zero, you'll see that. <laughs> <laughs> and like... That was a while ago, but it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, we. It turns out we are our own worst enemies. Yeah, I did. Uh, I didn't delete it altogether because I did leave in. I, I deleted everything but the last sentence I wrote because I thought it was a good one, which was there are Kentucky Route Zero reasons not to play this game. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Slap all right, that on the back of the box cardboard. Go to jail. <laughs> um. Also, yeah, this is where uh, we actually get an extended sequence with Lizette. I think it's actually the only time we get yeah, it's the only time actual we dialogue yeah. with Lizette, uh, who I I com- I am now realizing I completely misread which of the two people she was married to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dustin. Yeah. Yeah, Dustin. I, uh... If you saw this scene in isolation, I would get thinking that they're married. Um, I still didn't think they were married, but I get where you come to that conclusion from this one because they're like sitting at a table drinking coffee first thing in the morning. Yeah, uh, and they're you know, yeah. But uh, it's, it's more that Kanye. Uh, <laughs> wow, Kanye. <laughs> This would be uh, a very different game if the main character was Kanye. Uh, I feel a lot less sympathetic, that's for sure. 
uh no th- this is like conway is just like a weird uh like dude who's like living at their house <laughs> yeah dustin you say that i am afraid that if you asked conway his political opinions i'd like him less as a character i don't think conway voted for trump well, he got taken by skeleton gremlins before he could, but, you know. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that he would. I think he would just I don't think vote. Conway would vote. Yes. I, yeah, I don't think he would vote. I don't know. Act 4 Conway spouts some real uh, Republican bullshit. Act 4 Conway is not made Conway. <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by that point, Conway has kind of been lost to both his addiction, his addiction to drink, and also his addiction to work. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The main takeaway from this uh, uh, scene with Lysette is basically, yes, her business is kind of failing, but that's not the main reason she's closing it down. It's because she is sick. Uh, I believe, depending on the dialogue options you pick, she either has cancer or um, Alzheimer's. Uh, I definitely. The, my game she has alzheimer's like she couldn't remember things that she was talking about like a few minutes ago and like conway has to keep like gently reminding her what they were talking about yeah it's pretty fucking sad either way yeah absolutely yep. um i can't remember which one it was for me i, I want to say it was memory for me too but yeah um yeah we also and we've got hints we got hints of this before but this is also where we get solid confirmation of what happened to Charlie. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, he fell off, like, uh, Lysette's husband, whose name is Ira, that's what it is, I remembered it in time. Uh, he owned a roofing business, and Charlie came home from college, uh, for the summer, and worked for his dad's roofing business, and fell off of the roof and died while working on it. And I think that's yeah. all we know about the story at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there is, like, one minor thing that comes back later. You can choose whether Charlie was interested in aviation or architecture. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes up again in Act 4. Huh. We'll have to get to that, because I don't remember... Oh, oh, is it just when you're, like, doing the the like experiments yes or during that conversation yeah 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 yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. man mm. yeah uh-huh uh but yeah that's that's kind of the main takeaway it was the, like it's a flashback to the morning before the events of the game happen yeah uh she got like in a mail order from five dogwood drive with like no information on like the person who lives there or anything just like the order for the furniture uh, and Conway has to load it all up and, and take it out. And then it flashes forward to the end of Act 2. We kind of talked about it a little bit already. Conway's got a dang skeleton leg now. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, Truman starts going over, like, a bunch of things you should not do with the leg. Like, don't fully immerse it in water. Yeah. Uh, and also talks about the bill briefly. And... As at, you can actually pick uh, dialogue options for Shannon that are like, hey, tell him about the bill. Right, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's weird. Yeah. And they don't explain how it's weird. Shannon seems very worried. She's like, you're, uh, you're, you're gonna want to look this over, man. 
Yeah. Uh, I will also say, uh, it has been a full day since we took a break. And I've had an entire day to reflect on why the fuck I thought this guy's name was Dr. Terrell. And I realized why. It's because we talked about Bubsy 3D visits the James Terrell retrospective. <laughs> That's where that name got into my head from. Uh, I incepted you. Yep, you sure did. Incepted you with Bubsy. <laughs> the uh, most nefarious. Just gives you an address. Listen, go see my doctor, Dr. Bubsy. He'll help you. <laughs> He's, oh, like, dear. He just gives you the medicine and he goes, what could possibly go wrong? <sighs> Imagine Ashley. a cardboard computer was given uh, the license to make the next Bubsy game. <laughs> like, the people that own Bubsy these days are fucking desperate to try to squeeze some blood out of that stone. Yeah. They keep making all these shitty platformers and endless runners. Just give it to cardboard computer and give them absolutely no restrictions other than it has to star Bubsy. And you'll at the very <laughs> least get something interesting that people will talk about, which is all yeah. you want in the first place. Yeah, it will be just this entire thing about, like, how he is just running off of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, the arbitrariness of how, like, some mascots succeed and others don't. It's like, why did Crash succeed? <laughs> It's gonna be just but like Bubsy did not. It's gonna be a Kentucky Route Zero style game set in a game dev studio where they're trying to crack how the fuck you make a good Bubsy game. But Bubsy's like there, like talking to you. Yeah, Bubsy's laying on an operating table, and they keep doing different surgeries on him to make him be better. <laughs> and all it right. just never works. We need to just keep always look ahead. Always look ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's what Bubsy would do. Um. <laughs> So yeah, uh, let's see here. Yeah, they they go back. Right, um, so you're supposed to head back to the zero, right? And but you don't know how to yeah. get back, so you're gonna head back to Equus Oils or the farmhouse to see if you can't figure out how to get back to the zero. But immediately your truck breaks down. Yes. And uh, Ezra, uh, Conway, Shannon, and Homer are all stranded on the side of the road. Yeah. So. You're just kind of hanging there with Blue and all your yeah, friends. Yeah, uh-huh, right. Yeah, Ezra can talk to Homer and just ask him what he thinks about the situation. Yeah, and uh, at at some point we, like, cut to a really dynamically shot scene with yes. uh, two, two almost, like, punk-ish looking uh, people riding a motorcycle with a sidecar down a highway yep um yeah it's immediately like very different than anything you've seen in the game so far because you've never seen like a shot of someone driving down the highway or anything nothing in the first two acts is like as kinetic as this scene yeah yeah it, it gives you like a really good uh difference of like how it feels to be like what conway does and how he like traverses the highway and how it's like much more like folksy and how with these two kind of punk kids yeah yeah uh, these punk robot kids named junebug and johnny these punk robot kids who are like 40 years old but they're robots so it's fine yeah robots don't age yeah yeah uh, and also time doesn't mean anything in this game 
Yeah, no. Junebug and Johnny, like, are having a conversation about how they are late for uh, their the job they were supposed to take at the Lower Depths because they are the entertainment that is referred to uh, in the title of The Entertainment, which is the the interstitial episode that came before Act 3. Yeah, I think we forgot to bring that up, but yeah, a running thing in The Entertainment is uh, everyone being like, hey, where's the band that's supposed to play tonight? I wanted to hear music, and they just don't show up. <laughs> and here they are. Yep. <laughs> running very late. There's, uh, there's a lot of late bands. Yeah. <laughs> or late artists. Right, right. Uh... To be fair, Carrington is on time. It's everyone else who's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they come across um, like Conway and the gang stranded on the road, uh, and I can't remember if it's Johnny or Junebug who bugs the other one to to stop for them. Johnny bugs Junebug. Junebug okay. is all about like let's just get to the bar, play our set, and go home. Like we need to yeah. get paid. Johnny, hey, that's you, what I thought, but I couldn't quite remember. You immediately understand that like Johnny kind of has more of a sentimental side to him than Junebug, especially when it comes to animals. J- Johnny loves animals. Johnny adores animals. He like he's got a very like nurturing instinct in him. Uh, that Junebug just kind of like she doesn't dismiss it or anything. She just kind of thinks it's cute. Yeah, and also, doesn't really share it with him. Um, I would just like to read um a piece of. Of writing that I did earlier. About I know these. what you're gonna write. What you're gonna say. Go ahead. Uh, it's that Junebug pegs Johnny. Absolutely, she does. <laughs> yes. Yes. You like from the first lines of dialogue, you understand that they're in kind of a subdom relationship, and it's not like overt or anything. It's just the way that they talk to each other. Yes. Yeah. Is that he is a bottom and she is a top. The thing I almost said in response to that is Junebug feels like she likes to be Johnny's mommy dom, but also wants to be a cool mom. <laughs> That's, that is exactly the kind of it. She's Johnny's cool mommy dom. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're bad. Um, I mean, place. no, you know what? I'm, I'm standing by that. That's just in the game. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> when he bends over, he says, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. There's no way he doesn't. Like, the only way that that doesn't happen is if they don't have, like, human genitalia and they have some weird, like, electrical sex. Or if they just, like, are asexual. Like, like that is not part of it for them. That's also yeah. true. That's possible. Yeah. I'm just imagining they both go to, like, the science museum and touch one of those big electrodes at the same time and that's how they fuck. So you're saying they do it like in Dem- in Demolition Man, then? I'm saying it's like that one episode of Futurama where Bender gets addicted to drugs. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, this got stupid fast. Yeah, so they they help uh, Junebug and Johnny help fix up Conway's uh, truck, and they all head out to um, ba- basically in return. Con- uh, Conway and the gang agree to uh, basically join, be their audience for their the the act they're putting on for their yeah, gig. It, it's very fun because uh, when Junebug shows up, you get a lot of dialogue options. Like she'll ask you a question, and like any of the characters can answer depending on what you pick. But they get like 
one word into the response you chose before she just talks over them. It's just like, yeah, of course, that's the Yeah, come on. Uh, one of the best ones of that is, uh, you can have, uh, Ezra, uh, what he's trying to say is, I don't like music, but I like sounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ezra is such a good boy. He's, he's such a sweet lad. Uh, but yeah, they take you to the lower depths, uh, Shannon is kind of concerned about Conway because you've been here once already tonight and Conway didn't want to go in. But he's just kind of like, ah, listen, it's fine. I have a skeleton leg now that no one else will acknowledge. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) So fuck it, whatever. And when you get in there, there's Harry. Yeah. Hey, Harry. He's having a good time. with With the guy from the play that sold away everybody. And... Uh, there's yeah. like stuff from other people, like the uh, previous people in the bar. Yeah, yeah, there, the brick every- sandwich is still there. Yes, there's a big pair of VR goggles where your seat was. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, everyone just had to had to leave real quick. Yeah, which uh- again, like. If you come here in Act 1, you can find just neatly folded piles of clothes in the trash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bad shit happened. <laughs> bad shit happened. Um, and this is also, if you didn't get it before, that Junebug and Johnny are robots. Yeah. It becomes, like, increasingly, like, like every time they move, it's like... Yeah, they make their... noises. Yeah. Which, when they first show up, it's like, maybe that's a sound from their motorcycle or something? I don't know what's going on, but yeah, the more you hang around, the more it's like, oh, no. These are just robots. Okay. Um, one of my favorite interactions, uh, ever in this entire game happens here. Uh-huh. Uh, which is when they describe their music to Conway... Oh god, yeah. Oh it's right, like, they call it Whisper Wave. Whisper Wave. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like Serana Cole of East Ike Town, but with a woman lead, the keyboard is a kind of ambient whisper wave. My one of my favorite traits about Conway <laughs> is that like, people will frequently say something that he doesn't understand at all, but he'll just nod along and repeat back what they said like he got it. Yeah, <laughs> he's the solid snake. Yeah, he'll just be like Whisper Wave, right, yeah. Yeah, no, hmm, one of your, like, wave. things that you can make your, uh, kind of catchphrase in the way that, like, well, it's better than being in a ditch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can make it, you know, blank, got it. And then yes. the other one is just, I don't know who those people are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a good old man. Yeah, Conway's great. I'm sorry that I said you might have voted for Trump. Yeah, you you apologize to that fictional character. Listen, I'm just scared. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Um, There's a lot of people who seem nice until you start talking politics with them. That's true. all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and then you get to... The concert scene. The concert yes. scene, which is like kind of... There's... Now that I've played the entire thing, there are moments that I like better, but this, I think, will always be the scene. I think this has the most like visual spectacle of any scene in the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or at the very least, it certainly did as of Act 3. Yeah. Um, like, I don't even when think they... it's the best scene in Act 3, but we'll get to that. Yeah. It's still amazing. I'm not trying to... Like, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying there's a lot of good stuff in Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think part of what helps it is that it is... 
a cool moment that is also relatively removed from the plot. Yeah, yeah. Especially, it kind of stands like, alone. You understand how it ties into the plot later, but in the moment when you're getting it, you don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you choose uh, the lyrics. It's this great moment. I right, did like, not... yeah. They get up on stage, the lights go down, and then as the lights come up, revealing that they're in like these ostentatious 80s costumes, yeah. the ceiling, and June like, Bugs... peels June... away tile by tile to reveal like this beautiful starry night sky with like shooting stars flying overhead. Yeah, Junebug's outfit actually is mildly reminiscent of what her original character would have been wearing in the in like the first trailer they made because it is like this blue uh almost like wild like it's based o- on a dolly parton dress yeah that makes sense to me yeah, yeah yeah but it's also very like angular like it looks like dolly parton by way of lady gaga yes yeah it's cyberpunk dolly parton yes oh, oh wow <laughs> Gonna wow. write down that character. <laughs> what a what a combination of words you just said. <laughs> hey, uh, CD Projekt Red, if I can't play solid cyberpunk Dolly Parton in your game, then it's bad. I just well, say I just gave someone a uh, Shadowrun character idea. <laughs> I think I know someone who pitched a uh, not uh, the other cyberpunk games. <laughs> the what oh no what well the, the there are a lot there's like the sprawl the, the veil the sprawl the sprawl okay someone picked a sprawl character to me that was that basically nice <laughs> uh but the song lyrics like like i said you can pick the lyrics and that kind of directs how it goes it's it's like a very something i'm noticing as we're talking about it is that there's a lot of stuff in kentucky route zero where you get a small version of a thing and then it's echoed later by a big version of the thing like, um, you have the, like, uh, academics recording the folk singers, and then you have the Museum of Dwellings. Yeah. This is, like, this is the big version of typing the poem into Joseph's computer at the start. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um. Thank you, I am smart. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you even get a, a big version of a thing that was in Livingston Demonstration in Act 3 as well. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. And yeah, it's just this, it's a really great moment. Um, something I thought was really cool is, like, the singing is something that is, like, it sounds unnatural, but, like, also sounds, like, good. Yeah, it's the same guy that does all the folk songs yeah. that the Bedquilt Ramblers sing. Yeah, yeah but was, pitched uh, up, right? Yeah. Pitched yeah. up and, like, distorted to sound like a robot voice, but not in the way that you're thinking. Yes. Like, um, it sounds alien, but in a really compelling way. Yeah, he said that he basically just changed his voice until it wasn't something he recognized anymore. Yeah. And he apparently is also working on an entire Junebug album. That oh, was, man. Yeah. Uh, there's also on, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get around to in Pueblo de Nada, but, uh, on WEVP.TV, the website, you can, uh, dig around and find references to other video files there, and one of them is, uh, Junebug performing on WEVP-TV. With, <laughs> with Johnny. Yeah, yeah, like, they're in full costume, they've got, like, silver body paint to look robotic, they've got, like, a neon sign that says Junebug. And it's a different song than this one. Yeah, it's one of the songs from the upcoming project. 
Yeah. Um, that's great. It's really cool. Um, uh, but yeah, plot-wise, Junebug mentions that they originally... This is not an original of theirs. They heard this song performed at the Lower Depths years and years ago uh, by a woman with a really beautiful singing voice that they never got the name of. And uh, it's stuck with them ever since, and they like to perform it from time to time. And the lyrics are all about... Uh, like a lover that she like missed her opportunity to be with or that like he missed her opportunity. He missed his opportunity to be with her. Yeah. Uh, and that like, he's, he came back into her life. Like after she already fell in love with someone else and it's just painful and awkward and sad now. Yep. It's probably nothing. Probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's let's that and Conway. They're definitely married. Look. Yeah? Uh, <laughs> I didn't connect it even with Conway is the thing. Oh, you didn't pick up that the song is about Conway? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I didn't. Did you at least pick up that Lysette was the person who sang it? No. Wow. <laughs> How would on, I pick up on that? Where, like, it's Conway and Lysette went to a bar when they were, like, teenagers. And Lysette got on stage at, it was like an open mic night, and she sang a sad song about a lost love. I, when do you, when do you get that dialogue? It's, uh, in the distillery when you're, like, checking out his truck. Okay. And you're getting all the flashbacks of Conway's life. I totally did not even remember that flashback. <laughs> and also, I think you can miss some of those flashbacks. Oh, that might be. Then then maybe that's what it is. Yeah, stop fucking gr- doing this to me, Luke. <laughs> I thought that was a mandatory bit of dialogue. I didn't know. Yeah, no, yeah, like... Because it does kind of, like, interrupt where you're... <laughs> there, There is... there. I never got any dialogue in my game that, like explicitly said one thing or the other regarding Lysette, Ira, and Conway's relationships with each well, other. Well, then I apologize. So I just had to piece it together through my own assumptions. Then I apologize. <laughs> I was rude, and it was wrong of me. <laughs> anyway. I didn't, I, I didn't know that dialogue was skippable. Uh, anyway, there's a, there's a good moment where a- after they're done... Like, they get instructions from Harry on how to get to the Zero, which is, like, tuning the radio until they hear something familiar but strange. Familiar but not yeah. too familiar. But not too not familiar. Uh, Fuck you. No, we can't do this. If I, like, really wanted to just go with that joke, I would take that whole section, but when you tune the radio, it's just <laughs> that song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that would actually make for a pretty good shit post on Twitter, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, wonder if I can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I can't remember what you can tune it to. I think I got horses. Yeah, I think that's the thing you tune. Yeah, it to. it's horses. Yeah. I the most when I replayed this act, like when it, the full thing came out, I came across like a side thing that like while i was driving around uh-huh and it fucked up and like reset my radio and so i was like oh it's like the uh, like dialogue where it said like okay you're on the right one uh-huh like didn't happen well, it soft locked you it didn't i could i eventually got it but like i had to like tune it and like 
really make sure I was like on the right one because it's not. Oh. It's usually fourteen thousand, but it's not always. Sometimes mm. it's like fourteen oh eight, or sometimes it's like thirteen ninety eight. I see. Interesting. That that sounds frustrating. Yeah. It was it was kind of it was like the one moment I was like, man, like I just want to be. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, like once you turn it to the tune it to the right station, um, you're driving your truck along, and then hor- a, a band of horses intercepts you on the highway, and yeah. then you drive off onto the zero. I was trying to find the dialogue because they explain why horses are familiar to Conway, and I don't remember why. Well, he, there's also there's a lot of horses uh, in Lysette's barn. Yeah, it is, is that because what it is? like. Yeah, Lysette, Ira, and Conway had their own neighbors. Right, okay. Yeah. And and uh, I think specifically it was Charlie who really liked the horses, if I right, remember correctly. Right, right. Yeah, and they kind of, the horses were less cared for after Charlie died. Man, that makes Act 5 so much sadder, and it's already so fucking sad. Yeah, it, yeah. Really, yeah, it does. <laughs> Now think about what it was like for me, who has lived with a horse since I was three years old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they go back onto the zero, and you find the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah. Which is where Okay. I'm done. All right. Uh, which is where we uh, we we have meet some other uh, familiar characters again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main one of whom is Donald, who we had last heard mentioned during Limousin de- demonstrations, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Can, I yeah. can't remember if his name comes up in Act Two, but definitely in L and D. Yeah, I don't think he comes up in Act Two. I think you can see him. I think he is the other dude uh, that's, like, sitting near Carrington and Lula, Lula. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, in the entertainment? Yeah. Ah, gotcha. But yeah, like, Donald is here continually working on his project called Xanadu, which yes. is a computer that he and his research assistants, Amy, Roberta, and Andrew, have, like almost upgraded biologically he he talks about how he allows black mold to grow in grow on the circuit board and when the circuit and when the electricity from the computer fries the mold it creates a new circuit on the board that and it's also yeah it's like the the mold like partially fucks up the circuits but in a like chaotic way yeah, it, it's all, like, basically, even he doesn't actually know how the hardware of Xanadu works anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, like, and, it's, it's this, like, chaotic system, and that's what makes it so realistic. Yeah, and basically it's this whole thing where he feels like that it was perfect at one point in time, and now it is just not anymore, and he's just been trying so hard to get back to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, is, he has become addicted to working on this project that by his own like by his own description is impossible to finish yeah it's uh oh we should also mention there's a 50 foot towering bonfire of burning a computer components in the middle of the room yeah i guess that's important (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
It's uh, yeah, it is Donald is a very weird, very sad man. I don't think we when I introduced this segment, I I think I forgot to mention that the Hall of the Mountain King is literally a giant cave system. I probably should have said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And yeah, you get there because like the stretch of the zero that you're on just dead ends here. And uh, I think when you talk to Donald, like at some point the idea of leaving the cave comes up and he's like, how can I? The highway never lets me leave. It always just brings me back here. Damn. <laughs> Which I think yeah. is the I think is the first time the zero has been given like uh, properties of having intent it i think it's the only time it's described as having intent to the degree that i don't know that i believe that it has intent yeah like he he's really the only one who says that and, and everybody else is able to move around it just fine as long as they are able to parse the oddities of its navigational structure i believe him <laughs> that he has tried to leave and he always just ends up back in the hall of the mountain king but I think that's because he can't let Xanadu go. So the yeah. highway always just brings him back to where he really wants to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, probably a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Then And that, like, he can be both right and wrong at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his research assistants also seem to have gone, like, full-on uh, uh, sunk cost fallacy. Like, they are practically cultists. Yeah. Worshipping this computer that doesn't work. It's a really fucking shitty computer. Yeah, uh-huh. It uh it's just a staticky screen that doesn't show anything. You can kind of make out a couple words that it displays. Uh and like Shannon tries to fix it but she can't. It's too fucked up. Mm -hmm. And you start to learn about the strangers. Yeah. And also um there's another very good uh segment or a bit of dialogue in here. Mhm. Mm uh with uh Donald um and he asks your group uh like you like you you young people you don't have any idea like what it's like to spend your life building something and then sit powerlessly as you walk as your work declines yeah yeah and everyone is like Conway's like I drive deliveries for a small antique shop that's going out of business Shannon's like I fix TVs they don't make anymore as well as like my family's disappeared and then you could just choose June bugs not really yeah <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> like uh, June bug is just such a good like foil to everything in this game mm -hmm. she's just like like even when sad things happen she's kind of upbeat about them and not in, like, a weird way. She just has a positive outlook on life. Yeah, and also, like, for most... For most, like... For almost the entirety of Act 3, and for a decent chunk of Act 4, um, and, like, like Junebug kind of sees herself as just someone who's along from the, for the ride. Like, she's just observing yeah. things that are happening to these people. She's not really invested in it. Right, and... she's just like, I got nothing better to do tonight. Sure, I'll follow you and see what happens. Yeah. And that doesn't, and that, and that doesn't change, or I should say it, it can't really change until Act 5, I would say, where I, I think late you act can make four. some choices. Yeah. Like, she has oh, a yeah. line near the end of Act 4 where, like, she makes a decision... That she is here is more than just a passive observer now. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. 
But for now, uh, the computer don't work. Uh, Donald tells some stories about strange men that come from the caves that they've been fighting off for as long as they've been down there. But that uh, they might know the secret to fixing Xanadu. Yeah, so you you go out you go outside, uh, and whatever staircase you go up leads to a cemetery. Right. I guess we should say the reason you're helping him fix Xanadu is because, according to him, it is a perfect computer simulation of the real world, and if you yeah. get it working right, it will give you the directions you need. Which yeah. is still kind of bullshit. He is yeah. like just doing this to help you. Like, to help himself, I mean. To help himself, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's also partly because you see the name Lula come up. Right. And you're like, well, Lula can probably help us. Let's see if we can know, learn more about her so we can get back to her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you go up into a cemetery. Um, and then it's Junebug, Ezra, yeah, the- Conway, and um, Shannon who come up here. Yes. Yes. Uh, and the camera focuses on Junebug and Ezra. Yeah. Uh, for, for a little bit. For now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, Ezra's looking for a lizard, or he's, like, kind of also scared. Right, he doesn't want to go into the creepy old church. Uh, so Shannon and Conway go in, and Junebug stays outside to uh, watch Ezra. Yeah. Um, there's, like, in the larger sense of Kentucky like, there's more important things to discuss, right, at this moment. Uh-huh. But I just really want to make a quick aside of, I think, partly why Junebug is my favorite character in this and why I think she's very important to me. Uh-huh. Which is, there is elements of, like, gender expression and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of that kind of uh, stuff that is going on with Junebug and Johnny... That. With some of the dialogue choices you can do, there's definitely a trans narrative you can read into Junebug, especially it's, with it's, how it's she talks about a... yeah, how, ahead, she, how she and Johnny have been specifying themselves every day and getting more and more distinct from how they start out as like the generic robots made by the power company to work the mines. Yeah, they were mining robots that one day... Like, it's because they heard all the music that was being recorded in the mine, and these machines fell in love with the idea of music and abandoned their jobs to become musicians. Yeah, like, they came out... Like, the line is, like, something like... They came off the line, and they both uh, had, like, no eyes, no clothes, no, like, no facial features, because... It's in the dark. They don't need to, you know. <laughs> I assume they're not even like humanoid versions. They're probably like just big drills on wheels, you know. I, I I could see them being humanoid. Yeah, I think they were probably still humanoid. I, but Kentucky like... Zero is weird enough that they might have been. In my head, they were literally like the kind of industrial robots that exist in real life, and they have slowly reshaped their bodies to be human. I think that also works. Uh, one thing that I. I do love is that Junebug says that uh, when she came off the assembly line, she was one inch shorter. Shorter, yeah. so she has like gotten herself taller, which great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but the line we uh, specifically I love is we slipped off the road, just these two featureless shadows, and every since that night we've been detailing, coloring, and specifying. I feel more like myself every day. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, like, that was just a line that, like, really fucking hit me. Uh-huh. And, like, there's a lot that this game is saying in really big ways, but that was a moment that, like, I felt spoke to me in a very particular way. Yeah, yeah it, for sure. It's also in the context of a really, like, sweet bonding moment with Ezra, because Ezra's also trying to figure out, like, what he wants and what he wants to be. Yeah, like, Ezra at this point is getting kind of disheartened that he is not going to find his family. And he has Julian, and it's he's his brother and he loves him, but he is also a bird. Yeah. Uh, and also, Julian has, like, a full-time job taking care of the people at the museum and doesn't have that much time to spend with Ezra these days. Yeah. So he just kind of feels alone, and then he has this moment with Junebug. Uh, and, like, his response to that whole speech is he's just like, Oh, I wish I was specific. And she's like, I don't know, kid. You're standing around in a graveyard at two in the morning. That feels pretty specific to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, like, he could also go, like, you know, like, uh, I think I should be a musician, too. She's like, yeah, well, yeah. like, that's not exactly, what, like, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Like, you get the idea that, like, she is trying to impart some wisdom on this kid, but also is just maybe not the best at it. Yeah. Right. One thing we should also mention about June Bug that I fucking love is every single scene she has a completely different outfit and hair color, and there's never any explanation for it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> like, her kind of default look is like teal hair and a leather jacket and jeans, but then, like, there'll be a scene transition and she has, like, stockings and a frilly dress, and now yeah. blonde hair. Yeah, like, it, it is all just. Uh. Like, more of her, like, experimentation and finding out who she is. Yeah, I partly. think, like, they, it's, she specifically talks about, it like, like it's play. Like, she just, she's a robot. She doesn't have, like, there are not expectations of what she ought to be. So she gets to just, like, try out whatever she feels like in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny and Junebug are the couple from uh, the replacement song uh, Androgynous, if you've ever heard that. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> no. Uh, that is a, it's a song from like the 80s that is still weirdly progressive. <laughs> huh. <laughs> huh. I should check it out then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that that's kind of like their part in the... Do we want to do this as Let's the game the does it? Let's do the order it's presented. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because so, at this point, uh, Shannon and Conway come back out of the church and they're like, listen, we got the information we need. Let's fucking go. We don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and they're like, wait, well, what happened? And Shen's just like, let's look, let's just go. Yeah, like... (laughs) So, like, they talk about it in such a way that clearly something very unsettling has happened to them. Yes, like, they are spooked, and when he... uh, Like, they get back, like, I don't think this was worth it, but... Like, I guess we're, we're doing this. Yeah, we fixed your fucking computer, old man. Yeah. Uh, and then you play a kind of weird indie game. <laughs> you play a shitty text adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that's all that Xanadu actually is. Yeah, it's it's just the worst. It is the worst, like, uh, clicker game imaginable. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's a clicker game that this dude made about his breakup. 
Well, yeah, it starts off, it's it's kind of text adventure You're walking through the woods, like obvious exits are north, south, west, cabin, that kind of thing. Uh, and eventually it, you realize it is like his perspective of the thing from Limits and Demonstrations where they're walking through the woods with all the computer equipment into the cave. And yeah. uh, it's it's all about like they go into the cave, they find the strangers, uh, which you see finally are like the skeleton men from uh, the entertainment. And uh, that's what like scares them all into having this big fight and Lula into ditching them and going down the zero. Yeah, both Lula and Joseph leave. Donald yeah. stays. Right. And at that point, it turns into a game about hiring research assistants and uh maintaining xanadu and trying to make it the perfect machine yeah and one of the research assistants you can hire is weaver yep (laughs) who at some point during the simulation just leaves and doesn't come back yeah like it says like she can deal like she goes out to deal with the you know the people she doesn't come back, but they, like, come back less often. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also, you mentioned it was kind of the big version of Limits and Demonstrations. I also, It's also a big version of one of the games on Joseph's computer that you can play. Like, ni- I think it's called 1979 Sports Psychologist. Wait, what? You don't know about this? No. I I, 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 I think I tried playing a game, but I, I didn't didn't let me. If it just says games not game, real. <laughs> in Act 1, games is not real. If you go back to the gas station in Act 2... Are you e- kidding me? <laughs> Ezra will ask him if there's any games on his computer, and he'll be like, you know what, my niece was by earlier, she might have installed a game on my computer, why don't you give it a try? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, and there's two games. One is uh, Psychologist, and it is a therapy game, where you type in your problems, and the computer just gives a pre-generated response that... It basically just says close your eyes and meditate and then stop. Yeah, that seems right. <laughs> yeah, and then there's another one. I forget the exact name. It's yeah, it's something like 1999 Sports Medicine Major Simulator or something. That sounds like a video game that John Boys would make. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It is uh, almost identical to Xanadu. It is just uh, here's your GPA. Would you like to study? Or like here's your GPA. Here's your morale. Do you want to study? uh go drinking or go for a walk in the woods and you click one and it adjusts your gpa and your morale and it asks you again and it does that like five times and then it tells you the result of your college experience (laughs) okay and then xanadu is basically the same game but instead of your gpa it's like the accuracy rating of xanadu yeah, and also the romantic rating of Xanadu. You do... Uh, one of the interns talks about how they... When they got on the project, they were supposed to just imagine things to, like, add into Xanadu. And they started expanding out the Lula stuff into a more complex love story mechanic. And Donald <laughs> really liked that, so she just kept doing it. Yeah, I bet he did. Um, uh-huh. I know. <laughs> Apparently that person is named after the woman who made uh, King's Quest. Oh, was it Roberta? Named after Roberta Williams? Yes. That rules. Okay. Yeah, all of the interns are named after, like, famous people from games. Yeah, I noticed Roberta. I couldn't... I didn't recognize the others. There's Marianne, Rick, Greg, Andrew, and Amy. Mm. But I can't 
only like, one I can connect is Roberta. Yeah, like with the exception of Weaver. Right. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. is already connected to another <laughs> one yeah, of their inspirations. Yeah. I'm um, we should keep talking, but I'm going to look it up and see if I can find what the other uh characters are named yeah, after. Yeah, so at some point like um you get an option to basically sort of uh follow the simulation to its endpoint. Uh, and it talks about how new strangers arrive, uh, implying it, it gets very space balls. Yeah, where it talks about you arriving, right? And then it talks about Lula arriving, and then the program closes, and then Lula's there. Yeah, like it's it is a perfect simulation in that it's describing what is currently happening in the real world. Mm-hmm. Which is it's like not especially useful. <laughs> yeah, it's like the thing in uh, Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams, where he puts oh the boy. monsters on the small version of the island and they mimic what they're doing on the big islands. Uh-huh, uh-huh. For more information about what that reference is about, uh, <laughs> please listen to... Don't worry uh, about it. Totally Reprise, a.k.a. what are you calling it now? Reprise Kids. Yeah. Right, Reprise Kids. Okay. The other it's podcast. A real podcast, only entity. smaller. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so Lula, you know, helps you return to the Bureau, has a quick chat with Donald, but mostly dismisses him because he's a loser. Yep. Yeah. D- Donald is someone you do not really feel a lot of uh, pity for. He no. is very much like in a hell of his own making. Yeah, like, what has happened to him is shitty, but it is... Entirely his fault. Yeah. Yeah, I I maybe don't sympathize with him. I do pity him. Yeah, maybe pity is good, but, like, yeah, it's... Yeah. He's just, like, never, like... He doesn't get a second chance with Lula, but he gets infinite chances with the digital Lula he's made in his computer. Yeah. And he he still can't ever actually get it right. Yeah. He just made himself an e-girl. <laughs> right. But he can't, he has... like, like the e-girl doesn't satisfy him unless it's accurate to the person who rejected him, and that makes it impossible for yeah. him to get what he wants. <laughs> oh, you sad fuck. <laughs> yeah, so Lula uses Xanadu to basically help, uh, basically find the correct dogwood address that they right, need. Right, you still have the information from back in Act 2 when you went to the storage unit. Uh, and yeah, it crunches the numbers and, and tells you how to get to 5 Dogwood Drive. You gotta take the Echo River. Yeah. And so, uh, they're like, well, luckily, it's, uh, stops coming up on... The good delivery's coming up with the, uh... The night fairy. Yeah, the night fairy on the, to the bureau. So you can just uh, catch that, and they'll just take you to uh, where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so while, while they're waiting for the fairy, like, uh, there's a... At some point, like, Junebug gets is, restless is like, and hey, asks, like, hey, what did happen to you Hey, two? what the fuck's going on with you guys? Because you've all been weird. <laughs> yeah. And then we flash back to the graveyard scene, but now we're playing as Shannon and Conway. Yeah, and uh, they, like, enter a church. Yeah, um, they go into a church, and then they go to hell. Yeah, um, and yeah. It, it initially seems pretty normal, 
like just an abandoned spooky church. But as they're sitting on the pews in the back row, the pews suddenly descend like an elevator. Yes. <laughs> into a corporate hellscape. Uh-huh. Oh, this... I think this is what you were referring to when you said this was the best sequence of the episode. I think so, yes. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. This uh, is just a really fantastic moment. This is the Hard Times Distillery, the uh, whiskey distillery owned by Consolidated Power, which uh, we have heard referenced throughout the first couple uh, acts. The uh, car crash and the beginning of Act 1 was a Hard Times delivery driver. Uh, obviously, Hard Times whiskey is like a major plot point in the entertainment uh, and it, you know, the, you see advertisements for it in Act 3 because of that. And now we get to learn how it's made. We did forget a detail from the uh, Ezra and Junebug half of this, though. Which is you can inspect the gravestones, and they have markings on them that do not read like a bit, like, you know, uh, uh, epitaphs. Oh, They right. read like descriptions of wine vintages. Yeah, yes. I forgot about that. It's like, that. oh yeah, this one, like... Like passed away, nineteen sixty-seven. Notes of almond. Yeah, I, I I caught on to what it was doing, but I forgot I forgot about it in the moment while we were doing this. It's yeah, they uh. <sighs> you sort of figure <sighs> out what that's about in here. Yeah. 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 Uh. It's you meet also... uh, a very friendly skeleton man who cannot talk, but has a tape player slung over his shoulder. That has everything he needs to say pre-recorded into it, even responses to questions you have. Yeah. Oh, it sucks so much. Even <laughs> when you say things that, like, it doesn't seem like he could have predicted you would say in advance. Doolittle is not a good person. Yeah, this is Lem Doolittle, who uh, we've heard that name before. He was the writer of the entertainment, of the two plays that the entertainment is made out of. Oh, and fuck. he is the skeleton that shows up at the end of the entertainment. Uh, so yeah, he's the guy who wrote the story about the people being abducted to work their lives away in a distillery. Hmm. <laughs> uh, they're, uh, replaying it, I did, in my memory, like, Lem Doolittle was, like, the root of all evil here, and he's not. He is, like, just as much a victim of it as anybody. Yeah. He's, he's just, just a middle manager. Yeah, like, yes. he talks about, like, oh, Mr. Bishop was the one who invented our whiskey, you know, all this stuff. Um, I don't think you yeah, ever like, really meet anyone who's truly in charge. No, no, no. I think in Act 3, you can go to the Consolidated Power Company, but it is a building up on, like, up on stilts, basically. And when you approach it, just a bucket lowers down with a piece of paper in it that says, out of office. <laughs> yeah, like, they specifically do everything possible to make it so that you do not, you cannot interact with them. Yeah, yeah, they're forever out of reach. Right. Uh, but but hard times isn't out of reach. It's right here. Yeah, it, it's all too welcoming to you. Yeah, they're thrilled. Like you're trying to describe that you're you're trying to explain that you're there for uh, help with Joseph's computer, but Doolittle keeps talking over you and is assuming that you are a replacement for the truck driver who died in the crash at the beginning of the game. And you know it yeah, was Miguel, who yeah is like oh, good good guy. 
Yeah, like it's such a shame that he died. Uh, was great that he you know didn't have any kids because you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's like what? No, I don't know. What do you mean? And it just no. It's it's for you to to understand what he's getting at, which is that they would just like enslave his kids if he had any. Well, yeah, because Doolittle Doolittle explicitly says like you know with with all the. With what the truck cost and the cost of like the lost uh, um, bourbon that Miguel yeah. was carrying, that would have gone on Miguel's tab and would have been passed down to anyone related to him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so you can actually, I the first time I played this, I didn't do this, but you, there's a whole other section, like the bottling section. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, so. I Basically think the most is, interesting to me. Yeah, we. I just don't want to get ahead of things. Uh, so this is a, a bourbon distillery, and like we kind of alluded to, they, instead of uh, making the whiskey in barrels, they make it in caskets. Yeah, they call them casks, but they're caskets. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Shannon kind of asks, like, wait, these aren't, like, real caskets are they and doolittle just like oh no no it's your tr- it's a tradition thing we tapped that resource years ago <laughs> yeah i remember that dialogue yeah. Uh, yeah it's just like oh oh okay you're like monsters <laughs> right right uh, uh they also, also go ahead are you gonna talk about the weaver thing yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yes uh, he, he, uh, he talks several times about the formula because everyone who works at hard times is not just working there. They're working there to pay off a debt that they can't afford to pay off any other way. Uh, you and, do, uh, I believe you do see the uh, cup, like the people from the bar. Yes, yeah, you do. You yeah. do. There's even yeah. a well, you see them when you're coming you in, and you see wiki. some skeletons where they were on your way out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he talks about they have this thing called the formula that uh, calculates all of their payments and debts so that uh, they always know how much money and therefore how much work they owe to the company uh, every day. He says, like, oh, yeah, I like to I like to run my numbers through the formula before every shift so I know how many hours I have to work to keep ahead of my interest payments. <sighs> yeah, Weaver has been up to some bad shit right that's the other two he, he says like oh yeah we were in a real mess down here until weaver marquez came along and gave us the formula yeah i'm not sure if they ever do they ever reference her by name or is it just like you, i think it's you, you have just to put the piece piece it together. together yeah yeah it's very obvious who it is but i don't think they ever explicitly say weaver's name yeah i think she, they just say like oh yeah some woman who used to work with that crazy old man in the caves came to us one time yeah, yeah. And she was like a mathematician, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we know who that is. <laughs> I don't quite know what to make of the fact that Weaver, like, helped these people do all this awful shit. Yeah, I... It's not like they weren't doing awful shit before she came. But, yeah. like, you never get a... You do not ever get to talk to Weaver and be like, hey, what the fuck? It almost feels like Weaver is compelled to do what she loves, even if it... Yeah. Even if that leads to people horribly abusing the work that she is doing. 
Yeah, I get the impression that, like, she was more interested in it as a problem to solve than as, like, anything more than that. Uh, yeah. You can really uh, go with it for, um... Uh... Like, in the same way that, like, the doctor did it. Yeah. Like, that he is just trying to do what he loves and, like, wants to help people. But is also willing to do it if what he loves, even if it hurts people. Right, and, like, to a degree, that's what Lem Doolittle is doing also. Like... He's just doing his job, and he likes his job, but also he has no choice but to do his job, and his job is, like, in order for him to survive, he has to pass the kind of suffering he's under onto other people. Yeah, and that's also exactly what Harry does as well. Like, to keep his business afloat, he made a deal that basically sold his friends out to the company. It's very much like like a recurring thing in Kentucky Route Zero where... Where you, like corporations you use the, the working of, like, class to turn them against each other, turn them against each other, turn you against yourself because it's like your choices are you can uh, sell out all of your values or you can starve to death in a ditch, and we yeah. don't really care which one you pick. And well, this is better than di- being in a ditch. It's better than being in a ditch. <laughs> Except Conway is now literally in a giant ditch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they give you a tour of the factory, and, yeah, eventually he gets to the bottling area, which you guys wanted to talk about, and I'll, I'll shut up while you do. Um, what you find in the bottling area is that machines have mostly taken over, like, most of the bottling process that people used to do. Yeah. And now people are just paid to look at it. And make yeah. sure that everything is working. But, like, uh, from what they kind of imply, like, a lot of people were doing this, at yeah. the, like, all at once. And it is only because, like, they still, like, to pay off their debts, quote-unquote, they still need a job. And so they are just made to stand there as machines have taken over what they used to do. And... Just yeah, because they rem- still need to earn a wage to pay off their debt, and they can't, and they can't just give them money for nothing. So they have to have a quote unquote job. But also the, uh, like it, the interest makes it so that basically they are not making enough money to pay off anything. So it's just they have to sit like stand there and look at this every single day for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's it's really like he's like, well, honestly, with with machines these days, we just don't really need uh, anyone to do this job anymore. But I mean, we can't just let them go. Then they wouldn't have any way of paying off their debt. Yeah, and it's such a uh... yeah, it's such like a it just sucks. It just oh god, it's horrible. Yeah, well, and like that one hits me because it's so fucking real. Yeah, it's it's the thing of like. Like, a car factory today is a hundred times more efficient than one, like, a hundred years ago. And yet, the workers don't get paid a hundred times as much. In fact, they get pay cuts and they get laid off. Yeah, it is the the thing where it's like, 
all of our worries about automation, which automation was supposed to make everything better for us and take all of these dangerous jobs away from us, but it is just making it so that we have to fight and scrap among each other harder. Yep. Yeah, it's like, listen, it, capitalism did never make sense, but even if it did, it makes less sense every day as people invent new ways to automate work. Like, as the amount of work that needs done goes down, like it, you hit a threshold where it doesn't make sense to make people work to survive anymore. And yet, here we are! Yeah. It's real bad. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, eventually, once you're done with your tour, Doodle takes you back up to where you met him, and he's like, alright, well, actually, oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, no, not yet. You go to the truck first. Mm-hmm. Doodle shows you the truck and talks about, like, oh, yeah, Conway, have you, you've driven a truck before? And Conway's like, yeah. Uh, and you can keep trying to say, like, look, we're just... Just tell us what's going on with the freaking computer. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you can't. Uh, and, yeah, eventually you're, you're shown the truck that you'll be driving if you work for hard times. And it's this sequence where... Not Doodle... if win. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doolittle encourages Conway to inspect the truck, and you can click on each piece of the truck, like the windshield wipers or the tires or anything. Uh, and every time you click one, instead of him doing that, it, like, cuts away... Like, it fades to black, and you get, like, a flashback to some point in his life. And this is where the stuff with, like, him and Lysette comes in. Okay. This is where you learn that, like, yeah, they, like, went to college together, and they had a day... Like, they were dating, and they blew off their classes one day. They went to a bar, like, in the early afternoon, and Lysette sang that song, and Conway had kind of a few too many drinks. They had a really great night. Uh, and Conway woke up alone in a field, hungover, and for some reason, he decided that he couldn't go back, and he got in his car and just drove away. And, uh, like, had a job as a truck driver for a long time, uh, like a long-haul driver, and he just, like, was drunk driving, like, every day, but, you know, it's long stretches of empty highway, so not too much in the way of accidents and uh he eventually just kind of showed up at ira and lysette's door and they let him sleep in the barn and uh work for ira in exchange for uh food and board Mm -hmm. and most of the time he was so sloppy drunk that he couldn't even do that much but lysette like, Ira wanted to kick him out, but Lysette felt bad for him, because this is her old college boyfriend, and just kind of kept telling Ira to just let him be. And then one time, Charlie was home from college, and Conway was too drunk to go to work, so Ira made Charlie come with him, and Charlie fell off the roof and died. And there's a moment, a memory you can you have... Where he walks out and like, oh, what's going on? And he's like drunk and like slurring his words. And they're arguing and crying. And he doesn't realize what's happening. And it's like moments after Charlie has died. Yeah. Yeah. And they just tell him to go back in the bar. And he's like, all right, see ya. 
Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah. So eventually he figures it out and figures out that if he hadn't been drinking and had gone to work, Charlie would be alive still. And the implication in Act 3 is that that devastates him so deeply that he has not drunk since then. Yeah, he goes completely cold turkey. Act 4, maybe, depending on your dialogue choices, uh, cast some doubt on that characterization. We'll get to it. But at the, at the very least, for when we have met Conway, it's implied that it has been a pretty long time since he's He's been sober for a while, as of Act yeah. 1. Yeah, a, a long enough time that this sort of final act he's almost forced into... Um, like, is a big thing for him. Right. So, yeah, Doolittle kind of completes the tour, and he's like, all right, great. It seems like you're happy. I I like you, Conway. And listen, you know, this can be kind of a harsh place to work, but at least you're a delivery driver. You get to go up and see this, like, the sky, unlike most of the people here. You can roll your window down. You can even, like, stop at a bar as long as you don't take too long, you know? We do track your time pretty closely, but, uh-huh. you know... If you got to work here, you got one of the better jobs, honestly. And also, he, like, just very casually tells them how to fix the thing. Yeah, he's like, oh, right, that, yeah, that's no problem. Here's all you do. And it's like, there's different dialogue choices that will change what you do, but they're all very simple. Yeah, mine was like, scratch the mold off the tuning crystal or whatever. Yeah, mine was just, oh, that stupid old man forgot his password. Yeah. (laughs) Uh... But then he brings you back to the entrance. He says, all right, well, you start tomorrow, but uh, why don't we get things started a little early? Why don't you take your first shift drink? We always have a toast to work at the start of a work day. So why don't you just have this nice glass of top shelf Kentucky bourbon right here? And the everything goes quiet and the lights go down. There's almost like a spotlight on Conway and the glass. And... Uh, the mouse cursor drags itself to the glass, regardless of what you want to do, and clicks it for you. And Conway drinks it, because he can't, like, he's... I actually didn't realize it would click it for you. Oh yeah, it'll click it for you. Yeah. If you don't do anything, he, it will force it on you. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Conway's just had a really bad night. He's kind of at risk for uh relapsing and then he just has alcohol just shoved directly in his face and he does not have the strength of will to resist it and finally after he takes that drink shannon gets it through to do little no conway's not here to work for you uh and Doolittle's just like wait what oh well we have a problem then because if that wasn't a shift drink this is like the most rat bastard line in the entire game yeah yeah he's like oh if that wasn't your first shift drink then we've got a little bit of a problem on our hands like i said that's expensive stuff oh gosh and we have to account for my time too giving you this tour that's not cheap either oh my friend i'm afraid you're in very deep we're going to have to do something about this Wow, you know, the formula is going to have to uh, determine... I'm sorry, you are going to have to work here now. Yeah, like, the thing of, oh, you're not going to work here is you're going to work here. Yeah. You do not get to escape this. Right. And he's like, you know what? Take the night off. 
you know, finish anything else you need, like you need to do. Get your affairs in order. Yeah, yes. like they're handling it like he's about to. It's like his last meal. Yeah, yeah, which it and effectively is. Kinda, yeah. And then um, it flashes forward back to the bureau. Yeah, we need to go and... quicker. Yes, <laughs> we do. Like um, I, I love doing this, but for your guy's sake. Listen, I'm in for a penny and for a pound, but also, yes, you're right. Uh, here and there along the echo. Here and there along the echo. Uh, uh, this is the only one a... I didn't particularly enjoy. Uh, I fucking love here and there along yeah, the echo. Yeah, I, I liked it. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say real quick, Act 3 ends with a boat coming up to the side of the bureau and, like, a giant mechanical elephant letting out a... Uh, what is the sound of an elephant? elephant? I think you mean mammoth. Yeah, what do you call that? Like it's, a dog barks, a horse neighs, what does an elephant do? Uh, it's meant to sound Trumpets. like a foghorn, I believe. No, sure, I know that. I'm just saying in general. I, I think like an uh, elephant trumpets. Yeah, that's, sure. that's good. Uh, and I remember like when I was replying this, I'm like, something weird's on the boat. I forgot what it was. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, all right, yeah, it's a mammoth. <laughs> it's a mammoth. Uh, here and there along the Echo is a phone number you can call. Yes. <laughs> on your real phone. Uh, it, it is basically a, uh, like a phone number that is about a secret tourism along the, e- uh, uh, the Echo. Yeah, which is a r- underground river that runs through Mammoth Cave. It, it's basically similar to the Zero. Yeah, yeah. It is the aquatic version of the zero and it's just a lot of it's it's mostly just kind of comic relief after the super fucking heavy way act three ends yeah uh it's just a, a lot really of these great... kind of quirky scenes there's a really great bit where if you're holding a snake what to do yeah, yeah like, i really like that one he's like for for secret sites along the echo river press one for tourist attractions press two if you're holding a snake currently Press five. <laughs> it's so good. And yeah, he's he's just got a very nice, calm, genial voice. Okay, this yeah. is real weird. Uh, so apparently, in in yeah. the video game version, there are five I was bring this up. Go different ahead. types of phones you can have depending on your actions throughout the first three acts. Oh wait, really? Yes. Uh huh. If That's you have, wild. if you have, I'll, I'll link, I'll link you the, the wiki article so you can see this for yourself. But, uh, if there is no save data found or none of the below conditions are met, the classic pink phone will be present. Uh, if a player has followed the bureaucracy loop in the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces more than three times, the yellow office style phone will be present, which is the one I had. Oh, uh, Wow. If a player has seen most or all of the overworld sites and has talked to all of the distillery skeletons, the modern tan-style phone will be present. Uh, huh. If a player has not met any of the above conditions but has named their dog Homer, the vintage-style yep. black phone will be present. That was if mine. A, if a player has not met any of the above conditions but has named their dog Blue, the white classic phone will be present. That was mine. Wow. Okay, so between us, we each got different phones. That's really interesting. Also, they made real-life versions of these. Yep. Yeah, like, they promoted here and there along the Echo, like I said before, 
they did an eBay listing for the pink phone, and it had a whole video about how it was haunted, and the only number it could dial was the number for here and there along the Echo. Yeah, they only auctioned off three of them, though. Uh, they didn't yeah. auction off five, but... Yeah, they they, they sold actual phones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was also going to say, in the video game version, like you said, like instead of... like There's just a phone on a table that you pick up and dial. Apparently, if you don't pick it up for long enough, it starts to ring... And you can pick really? it up to get some, uh, yeah, and you can get, if you answer the phone, it's a number station calling you. It's a woman's voice just reading out numbers. Oh, boy. And uh, I've got it here. The decoded message is, uh, by night we suffer wandering, night frees the imprisoned spirits, and his cage abandoned Cerberus himself strays. At dawn, the law demands return to the pools of Leith. We are born across, and the ferryman counts the load he's carried. Fuck. This is a direct quote from Propertius's book of elegies. Elegy. Yeah, and it directly relates to the ending of Act 4. <laughs> yeah, it directly relates to a lot of shit in the game. <laughs> uh, and then there's another one that is a fax machine noise in Morse code that's much longer. Yeah, that's... Yeah, we can't do that. No. They do talk about horses, though. They talk about fucking canned carrots. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also talk about a monument that doesn't say what it's for, but because they assumed that everyone would just remember it forever. Right. Right. Oh, and that's the minor monument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, they do also one of the secret locations you can hear about is, and like in the context of here and there along the echo, it sounds like a weird surreal place, which I like. They're like, oh, there's a town that no roads lead to, although it has roads within it. Wild horses walk the roads of these towns. And, like, it just goes on like that. And it sounds like a creepy, weird, secret town, but... You just go there. <laughs> you just you go just, there later. You, it, it's, like, a pretty normal place. Yeah, that's yeah. just where Act 5 is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, and also there's a place where you can leave a phone message when you originally called. Yeah, where they ask you for your uh, first memory. Yeah, which I actually have a question. For for a thing that happens in Act 4, are those yes. real messages that were left? I, I think they might be. Yes, I believe so. Okay, that rules. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I, I, I think that they worked on it enough where it was... To, to inject some, like, actual gameplay talk into this narrative bullshit, um... I think here along here and there along the echo for for me was a very cumbersome uh interlude to play. It's a little cumbersome. Yeah. Um just cuz like for 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 some of the things you need to do it is a pain in the ass to actually get to where you can enter stuff. Um and Yeah, I think the novelty of it being oh they made a game out of a phone tree kind of got me through the fact that eh, actually making a phone tree game isn't a very good idea. Yeah. And also I... that you're at a like tire place. <laughs> well, right. Also, yeah, I had nothing better to be doing with my time. Yeah, th True. this was the only one where I was like I think I'm good actually. Like I think I'm done. Like I found yeah. I I found what I want. Yeah. Um, I didn't do everything here, because I was like, okay, I, I did most things, but I didn't dial all the extension numbers. Right. Uh, so I was like, I think I'm done here. Uh, all right, act, act, act four. four. Act four. Uh, uh, act... So you open on Will, a whole new character. 
Yeah. Who I like instantly like. Yeah, Will is also the the voice of the here and there along the echo. Yeah, is that confirmed? I that's definitely what I assumed, but I didn't know if that was like Yes. Yes. Sure. Okay. Uh, that is oh, okay. Will. He is the voice okay. of the phone system. Yeah. Oh, and also you can pick up a secret tourism pamphlet earlier in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh yeah, back in but Act yeah, we, 2 we're introduced when you to first Will like zero. Yeah. Uh, back, like, Will is standing on the deck of the boat we saw at the end of Act four, Act, Act 3. He's reading the instruction manual for the animatronic mammoth, and he can't figure out it. He can't figure it out, and there's a few options for what to do, but if you didn't choose to just throw the book in the river, I don't know. I don't know you. <laughs> uh, sorry, Luke. <laughs> what to do with it? I can't remember what the other two options were. I think he just, like, closes it and puts it away, otherwise. Yeah, I think so. I just love the image of, like, this weird, like, old man with, like, shaggy hair and a beard and a hoodie and, like, board shorts reading a technical manual and being like, nah, fuck this, actually, and just throwing it overboard. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, Will, and who's the actual captain of the boat? I can't remember her name. Um, I'm looking for it. Kate. Is it Julia? Kate. Yeah, and uh, then uh, there's a, another character on the boat. Clara. Uh, yeah, Clara. I think. Or Clara, I don't know how you say it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, there is, there's also Valkyrie, a dog. Yes, Our Valkyrie dog. is another dog that Homer gets to hang out with. Yeah. Uh, Valkyrie uh, and Blue sh- become best friends. <laughs> right, yeah. Homer and Valkyrie are the best of pals. <laughs> yeah uh shannon is like out on the boat and she's wearing conway's coat now and then conway comes out and his arm is skeletified now and he's just the same arm that is drinking beer yep he's got just a can of beer that he talks about how the uh how like will dredged up a cooler full of beer and said that conway was welcome to it and he's just been like chain drinking yeah, there's also um, a real unsettling... Like, you mentioned how Act 4 is where Conway kind of goes bad, and I think this particular line near the beginning is yeah. the harbinger of it. Uh, yeah. Conway is talking to Shannon and says, I've got to repay my debt. Hell, I should be grateful for the opportunity. If you want to die with any dignity, you've got to settle up. That's why it's such a goddamn... It's, that's why it's such a damn shame when people go sudden. That's why it's a shame. Yeah. yeah. Like, <sighs> like... Like, he's totally, you know, bought into the propaganda of debt being yeah. a moral good. And, yeah. and partly because he, I'm sure he felt a debt about, you know, like... like, like all of the shit that he's been through. Yeah. Right. He felt did that you just he... call her Lysithia? Yeah, I did. Let's just keep going. <laughs> I, yeah, um, the famous I, Fire I, Emblem character, Lysette. I, I just saw Lysithia on uh, my Twitter feed. Yeah. Fair. Lysette. It's Lysette, right? Yeah, it's Lysette. It's Lysette, right. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'm just going to go. You guys just talk for a bit. It's very funny, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, like, but, like, I feel like, it, yeah, like, it is him both buying into it and, like, pushing every bit of doubt down into him, like, out. 
Yeah, like, yeah. there are reasons why Conway would think that he has a o- moral obligation to settle his debt. But also, he's wrong. <laughs> and also, yes. his debt is not to the ghosts that live in hell. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he is just, he's a broken man. Oh, in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, so here and there along the Echo is structured a little bit differently than the rest of Kentucky Route Zero. Act four. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Act four in which you go here and there along the Echo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is all narrated by Will uh, at some point pretty far in the future. And he is uh, describing, oh yeah, this one night these like nice folks uh, took a ride on the boat and they did this and that. And each, like, the boat will go a ways down the river and then stop, and you will have two choices for which scene you want to watch, but you only get to watch one of them. Yeah. yeah. There, there's one particularly fun trolley choice that, that you can make uh, as yeah. one of the final ones. Uh, uh, is it the one with the dogs? Yeah, 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 where the choice is just, like, Valkyrie and Blue hang out, like, nap on the boat, and, like... That's the one I picked my first time around. Same. Yeah, and it's just like... And you get exactly what you're told you'll get. Yeah, no, it, it is the third floor bears of Act fa- Act 4. Yeah, it's really yeah. funny. Yeah, where it just shows Blue and Valkyrie napping on the boat for a few seconds, and then it cuts to black and it's on to the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get. Mm-hmm. What's the alternate of that? Uh, I, I'm trying to look up the order you do everything in now. Yeah, I'm if, to. if that's the uh, that's the fo- that's the phone booth one, I think. Okay, the phone booth is not the most important one that happens here. No, uh, uh-uh. yeah. Uh, it, like but, it's a good scene, but like it, like there are other bits of this that I feel like are more important. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so the, I guess let's go through these in order. The first choice, you can either... They stop at a gas station that floats on the river. And uh, you can either go to the gas station as Junebug and Johnny, or you can stay on the boat as Ezra. I've gone to the gas station both times. Have either of you stayed on the boat? Uh, I did. Okay, um, what is that scene? Yeah, so, like, Ezra basically, like, um, he gets his tape recorder there. Right, yeah, Johnny gives him a tape recorder. I was like, just go record weird shit. We can mix it into music. Yeah, and, like, he, he talks... Get into sounds, kid. Go find some sounds. Yeah, he talks to Kate, um, and also to Will. Like, Kate has him go... Kate actually has him, like, uh, drive the boat for a little bit. Or, like, yeah. watch it. Um, and there's this scene where Kate's like, Hey, did, uh, see that rock up there shaped like a dinosaur? Um, like, did we pass that before or after we got to this landmark? Uh, and Ezra's like, oh, we got to it, like, I can't remember the order, but basically, sure, they pilot, much like on the Zero, you pilot based on landmarks. Um, and Kate implies that those landmarks, their relative locations can shift over time, so mm-hmm. they have to constantly update their maps so they can properly navigate. So, uh, Kate then sends Ezra down to Will to let him know so he can update his maps. Um, and Will basically lets him pick an old map of his own, and you get the choice between, like, three different styles of map. I see. Yeah. 
Uh, maybe uh, it's just a little more character building for Ezra. Nothing super important that I can remember, mm-hmm. but yeah. If you go to the gas station, you get a little bit more of uh, uh, Junebug Mommy Dom because she's like picking out snacks for Johnny. Yeah, and she's uh, like, "Oh, this will be a nice gift for him." Yeah, yeah. I'll get him some gummies. He likes those. <laughs> <laughs> some crystals. Yeah, I think yeah. I went to the gas station my first time. Yeah, uh, you meet, like, the gas station attendant, who is, like, a friendly guy, he's like, oh, yeah, no one ever remembers my face, but I don't really mind, that's fine. Yeah, like, uh, Kate straight up says, like, I don't know if this is the same gas station, I never pay attention to the attendant. Right, yeah, and he's like, no, we've met, like, dozens of times, but, like, I'm honestly not offended that she doesn't remember me. Uh, some guy walks in and just in all caps and with no spaces yells, glory, it is good to be among friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a Craigslist misconnection. Yeah, yeah, where, like, Junebug can give a middle-aged guy some advice to spice up his dating profile. Yes. <laughs> which, uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's so, uh, it, it, which ends on no goofballs. <laughs> yeah. And she's uh, like, maybe you're missing some real good goofballs. Yeah, yeah, no malarkey. Um, and he's like... Before, like, uh, she, like, asks for her, like, input, he's like, oh, like, I just wanted to ask you something, and she, you could just go, I am way out of your league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just like, yeah, no, I, I kind of guessed that. Right. Uh, I did, yeah, I checked, the, the glory is good to be among friends guy, like, he's like that because he has this whole story about how he went spelunking the other day. And he had a bag of apples for food, and he got hopelessly lost in a cave, and was, like, eating his apples to stave off the hunger. And then he was going to eat his last apple, but a uh, maggot came out of it, and he was grossed out. But then it turned out it was a maggot for a firefly that, like, lit up and guided him out of the cave. And he just had, like, this transcendent experience where, like, an insect that he almost ate saved his life, and now he just loves the world around him he's like it seems like a solid dude mm-hmm. he's uh, just happy to be among friends th- honestly that's the thing about act four to me is that so many of the characters in the rest of krz are like sad or weird or have all kinds of complicated problems the folks you meet in act four are just nice and friendly and good yeah they mostly seem to be pretty okay with their existence like, they have problems, and they have hardships, but they're getting by, and they're part of, like, a community, and they're, like, supporting each other. Yeah. And Project- you, don't fi- you don't find this until Conway has signed away any hope of being a part of a community like that. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think it's, like, this was made around 2016. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like this is a lot of, like, things are real fucking bad, yeah. But, yeah. like, we need to get together. Yeah, like, it's all... Also... Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, there's no, like, new sad things that happen in Act 4. The sadness is just, like, the lingering sadness of what's already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Act 4 represents, like, the build-up to what Act Act 5 is going to end on. Like, Act 3 yeah. leaves you in a ditch, and... Ditches have both a hill, like, both a slope down and a slope up. Right, This is the slope up. Um, But yeah, so the the next choice you can make is between 
stopping at the Rum Colony Bar, uh, yeah. or Shannon can stay on the boat and browse the mam- the Mammoth VCR like video collection. Yeah, I have never gone to the bar. I could not take seeing Conway in a bar. Uh, I, I I did both. I it was w- sad enough watching him drink beers on the boat. I couldn't deal with him going oh, to the bar. Oh, it's not great at the rum bar. No. <laughs> but it ain't. Uh, but, it's I not. Mean, there's a lot of other good shit happening at the rum bar. It is yeah. very goofy, yeah. Um, You find some people uh, who are continuing the uh, celebration from the bureau. <laughs> Uh, and there is a, the musician from, um, the next intermission. Yeah, uh, Cyrano, is that his name? Yeah, is playing there, and, uh, you as Johnny, and the, Johnny and Junebug now have, like, beach ga- gear. Yeah, yeah, and Johnny, like, can pass, like, passes out a donation, like, a tip cup. Um, there's a very good bit that you may have seen on Twitter of... Uh, when uh, Shannon puts in five dollars, uh-huh. uh huh, which just says uh, the unsteady studying the unsteady. There's probably a five dollar bill somewhere just floating up and down the river from tip jar to musician to tip jar to musician, like an eternal fairy of good intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that perfectly just sums up the like. Listen, right? None of us have a lot, but we just gotta like give it to whoever needs it the most. Yeah, ev- right, right. Yeah, every artist with a Patreon subscribing to their artists on Patreon, <laughs> their artist friends uh-huh. on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, th- that's another important thing with Johnny and Junebug at the gas station is uh, Johnny talks about how much he really likes Ezra, and it sure is sad that he doesn't have any family now. And you know, I mean. Maybe that wouldn't be so bad if there were three of them uh, traveling together instead of just two. Like, again, Johnny has a very, like, nurturing nature, and he's graduated from wanting a pet to wanting a son. Yeah, well, yeah Junebug's at first, very reticent, or yeah. can be reticent. Yeah, at first he's like, oh, like, what if we, uh, like, because, like, the, they let, there's something where it's like, oh, you can, like, keep my dog for the night. Right. And then he's like, "Yeah, like, what if we, we what if we just had a dog?" And yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and then he's like, "What if we had a son?" And he's like, "Hold on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, why would you go from that to that?" <laughs> Johnny just really yeah. wants to nurture something. Yeah, <laughs> and like they've both had like a connection with Ezra over the night. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like yeah. Ezra is trying to find himself. Right. Uh, so yeah, was there anything else you want to touch on at the the rum colony? Um, there's a really, like, oh shit moment where you have, like, a flashlight as Shannon, and uh-huh. when you put the flashlight over, uh, where, uh, like... Over where Conway is? Conway is, there is a collection of skeletons around him. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that kind of happens a lot throughout this stuff. Yeah. It, it was just the first time I had seen it. So yeah. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and that then led to, like, he's also like, oh, man, these drinks are great. Like, I'm just going to wear this flower in my hair so they just, and like, so they'll know which one I have. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and like, Shane's like, no, you need to, like, stop. Right. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm fine. Listen, like, this is my last big night out. Oh boy! It's like oh Jesus, Shannon. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so the next one is what we talked about before. You can either uh, choose to stay with the dogs while oh, they take. Do a you nap. want to talk about the 
uh, videotape stuff. Oh, yeah, the videotape. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I'll let you do it, because that was the first choice I made back when I first played uh, Act 4, so my memory is very hazy about the specifics. Yeah, uh, it is... Uh, and honestly, I did not watch every video in the library, because there's a lot of them, but it's all, are. like... <laughs> it's all the very, like, Kentucky Route Zero-style surreal humor of, like... Here's, like, a dance recital that's taped over with, like, a city council meeting. Like, that kind of thing. I don't even know if that's a real example, but it's that style of, of thing. Uh, I think it's implied a lot of them are from WEVP-TV. Yeah. Uh, but eventually she finds... Uh, in Act 3, she reveals that she never actually met Weaver tonight. She saw her on TV. And it just so happens that uh, in this video library is a recording of what she saw... Which is uh, Weaver in a public access TV studio, very staticky, uh, talking about how Shannon needs to go deep underground and she'll love it there if she goes. Yeah. And she'll the, find what she's been looking for. The specific line is, male, school, and these magnificent, tragic horses. Go underground as deep as you can go. The air is cool and the earth is damp. And when you close your eyes, you are surrounded by the dead. Remember where that is? You'll find your way from there. I think this place is what you're looking for. Some of it will wash away soon, but I think you'll be happy here, even without the mail. School. And then it repeats. God, fuck. I didn't go back and, like, reread what she said after Act 5. Fuck me. (laughs) (sighs) Uh... But yeah, yeah, that that's the crux of the Shannon scene. Uh, yeah, and then we get the uh, phone number, like the phone, which is just a random fucking phone in the middle of this river. I uh, love this phone one. It's like a payphone. Uh, the kind... janitor from Act Two is here. Yeah, it's kind of a payphone, but like, <laughs> it's... yeah, it seems like it's free to use. Like, yeah, it's weird. It's Kentucky yeah. Zero weirdness. Um, yeah, uh, Will takes his messages, and there's like 47 new messages, and they're all just random snippets of weird monologues that are not really clear what their purpose is. Uh, but he listens to however many of them you want to, and then you hang up, and Shannon asks him, like, oh, anything important? And he says, yeah, all of them. My, I think my favorite response, my favorite message is... Uh, it was tough to hold on to the snake, but yeah, my hands are pretty damp. <laughs> that one's pretty good. Like, they obviously did a lot of picking and choosing of, like, which ones fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, sure. I love the ones where the people calling in, like, were just confused. Like, there's one that just yeah. says, huh, seriously? And then ends. <laughs> and, yeah. like, then there's, like, a super long one where it's, like, someone, like, talking about, like some really serious shit yeah Yeah. and like not even serious shit like just like okay like i'm really thinking about my life right this moment yeah it's real good um conway like while all this is going on decides that he wants more drinks and so he just jumps into the water and swims yeah he's wearing like a lay now from the rum colony and they told him not to fully submerge his leg in water oh yeah that's true i forgot about that yeah Ah, boy. Uh, and yeah, I think the the big set piece, 
like of this one is that uh clara calls her sister in lithuania and they have a conversation about how their uncle is in hospice and is refusing to see anybody and it's got all the family back home like frustrated and angry and sad and clara's just like listen that's how he wants to go like you need to respect that yeah and yeah and also it's the first time we uh see like a city in yeah. Kentucky Road Zero and like it's so like like oh it's so normal it's jarring <laughs> yeah yeah well because it's also in a part of the world where it's daytime yeah it's like what is the sun <laughs> yeah uh and then if you've been following the Carrington plot this is where he inserts himself into this act it, because yeah, he calls the phone and Shannon answers uh-huh oh and also I think at some point the last one we skipped it but you could have him decide to go like yeah just do the play at the gas station he's like oh yes of course oh i told him to do it in the mine oh okay yeah you get a few choices i told him the gas station also because yeah that seems like a cool place to hold a play yeah uh but yeah he's like asking shannon for tips about his adaptation things that it seems like he should have figured out before, like, a couple hours prior to the premiere. Yeah. He's like, hey, like, the moon is an important part, but, like, we're not gonna have the moon, because I'm doing this at dusk. Yeah, for me it was like, I I won't have the moon because I'm in a goddamn mine. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he's like, no, I'm gonna be staging this in the morning, so what do I do about that? Ah, but that's the challenge of theater, isn't it? Also, all of my actors have quit, so that's a problem, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, like, I it, it's I, I still don't know exactly what they're saying with character because a lot of it just seems to be like, oh, damn, like you. <laughs> yeah. Whenever character shows up, it's like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> right. But also, he's one of the characters the game closes on, so he does seem like he must be important to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I feel like we should probably wait till Death of the Hired Man to talk about Carrington much. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll just mention he shows up here. Yeah. Uh, and does uh, and that, that's kind of stuff. it for the phone bit. Uh, the next bit is the player chooses between a card game with Ezra or to stop at the Radvansky Center for cash. Have, I, have any of you done the card game? I've I never haven't. done the card game. I've never done the card game. <laughs> We're not talking about the card game then. Yeah. So, Sorry, Ezra. Yeah, I mean... Look, I like Ezra, but also the Re- the Radvansky Center is like feels so important. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's uh. So this is almost similar to the Museum of Dwellings from Act Two because this whole section you see it through security camera footage, and you're not playing as any of the characters directly. You're playing as the. Uh, two research assistants that are reviewing the tape years after the fact yeah their names Uh are mimi and jen yeah and uh they just kind of talk about you know their it seems like it's an experiment about memory and how emotion affects that which is also kind of a running theme in act four Mm -hmm. uh you know they're just having shannon take a lot of weird tests but like you're not you're not picking Shannon's dialogue. You're having Mimi say what's on Shannon's answer sheet from back then. Yeah, it's it's really clever. Yeah. Um, like, and meanwhile, uh, 
Like there, there's a point where Mimi talks about how she used to have a boyfriend, and that boyfriend used to be either uh, in uh, an aviator or an architect, depending on yeah. which you chose. Right. For what Charlie was interested in. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, yeah, it was really sad. He uh, over one summer vacation, he died. It was it was really sad for me. Yeah, like and like like yeah, like really affected me for like the rest of my life. It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, just like here's this like awful spider web of consequences of. And like in the way Conway's that family. a small like place like how everyone is connected like this. Yeah. Yeah. But even like she seems like she's from relatively far away from Conway. Yeah. Uh, and even then, like, their, no, their lives, like, have this profound effect on each other. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the skeletons show up in the security footage, and they're just hanging out with Conway. And, yeah, yeah. Like, they're like, oh, that guy, like, that must be one of those guys from, um, you know, Hard Times. Like, fucking, they creep me out. And I think Conway yeah. looks like the most pathetic he ever has. Like, he's just standing there, his head hung low, wearing, like, a lay from yeah. back when he was at the rum bar uh-huh yeah it's just so like fucking depressing yeah uh but this whole sequence is really cool yeah yeah i uh, I also like when you can feed the cat yeah and he oh and like, yeah, yeah yeah and one of the people was like yeah sometimes i, I can't be there and so i just wrote it on the like letterhead to <laughs> that one of the tests was to uh like help the cat like feed the cats yeah right and then they realize that they haven't seen the cat in a long time and that it must have left with them and yeah. that's not important <laughs> <sighs> there's so many things that aren't important in this game no yeah nothing matters in kentucky Route zero it's weird did uh <laughs> did you flip the calendar forward or backward Oh god, I don't remember. I flipped it forward. I flipped it backward. I think I flipped it backward. Because they they actually make a comment like, huh, normally they flip it forward. They said for me, normally they flip it backwards. Yeah, I assume it's just the opposite of whatever (laughs) you picked. That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, And then your next choice is you can either, uh, let's see, the player chooses between a nap and Ezra helping Kate for mushrooms. Uh, so you can have Will, like, laying in his bunk, listening to a recording of a lecture, and uh, I think Ezra comes to, like, bug yeah, him. Yeah, that's why I did. Yeah, I-, yeah. I did the mushrooms both times. Okay. I don't remember a lot of specifics from the Will scene. It's not, like, a profound yeah. moment or anything. It's just it... you get a little bit more about Will. Yeah. Oh, this is where you get Will's backstory, right? Yeah, both Will's backstory and also, uh, well, oh, oh. You mean with the uh, with the will scene? Sorry, I was thinking of the mushroom scene where you get both Kate and Ezra's backstories. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, no. Uh, in this scene, like you learned that Will used to be a university professor. Uh, he was like part of the music department, but then there were budget cuts and downsizing, and they're like, "We can keep you on as a janitor if you want." And he basically told them to fuck off, and he moved down to the Echo River. Yeah, and you. Uh, when he's in the uh, last place, like Mimi, like goes like, "Oh yeah, I think that dude was at, uh, like I remember him from somewhere, like maybe from college." <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, I think that's all that there really is to the the Will scene. Yeah, the the Kate scene is is really good though. I love this one. Uh huh. So like yeah, like Kate and Ezra are like hunting for usable mushrooms together, uh, but it's largely an excuse to like have. It's interesting because like this is I think the only time the dialogue box ever works like this, uh-huh. where it's split into two halves that you can read through simultaneously. Oh. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, like you have Kate's on the left side, Ezra's on the right side, and they like sort of. And they follow each other simultaneously. Um, like, Kate's is... Uh, I'm trying to remember what Kate's is exactly about. Uh, but she talks about, like... Um, uh, oh, right. She uh, she talks about, like... Uh, she, she remembers how she got into alternative medicine. Right. Yeah, because that's something we didn't really talk about. Kate is, like, a midwife... Uh, in addition to being a ferry driver. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, Ezra remembers how uh, his parents left him. Oh, man. Yeah, which was at a train station. Or bus. Yeah. Was it bus or a train station? I think train station. I think it was a, yeah. It was some sort of station, yeah. But yeah, like, it, it ends with... I think it ends with, like, him remembering how his parents looked back at him. Like, for the God. last time. <sighs> yeah, like, when Ezra, like, first talks about it, it seems like, oh, like, yeah, they just, like, must have moved on without, like, like they must have just, like, kind of forgot I was there. Yeah. But, like, it's, no, they abandoned him because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we get uh, a section that is presented like a choice like all the others but it's not really you can either have shannon help cook or you can go deliver a package hold on a second there is one other thing that i love that happens during the mushroom scene there is a near the end there is this ghost ship that comes by and like it's making this weird like almost screeching howling noise Uh it's very oh right yeah yeah but as it goes by Silhouette, you see silhouettes of a multitude of cats. And you realize just the ship is just filled with cats. Just completely packed with cats. Yeah. And they're Uh, all meowing. And that's why it sounds so weird. Because it is a metal ship filled with screaming cats. Yes. That was one Uh, of the things that is in their original pitch. Yeah, like that was going to be like a major, like... I feel like in the Metroidvania Kentucky Route Zero, this was the equivalent of, like, the ghost ship that you find in Super Metroid. Yeah. Uh, just, like, one of the zones you go through. Um, but yeah, then you get to a bit where, uh, and that also comes in here and there along the Echo. It's, like, a lost Civil War ship, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, you get to a choice where uh, you can either have Shannon help Will cook, or you can have Shannon and Conway deliver a package. If you have Shannon help cook, uh, very shortly into that scene, uh, Kate shows up and is like, hey, actually, can you go do the other choice instead, basically? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happens. Because I'm, I'm I was thinking, like, there's no way you could just skip right the it's package the delivery it is like literally the most important thing that happens yeah. 
so Conway like, and Shannon. Maybe the most important thing that happens in all of Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, Conway and Shannon just have a little bit of little package they have to take on a raft through a bat sanctuary because the ferry is too big to fit through there. You find the monument to the uh, dead miners that we talked about from Act One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn some bat facts. Yeah. You just spend some time in a bat conservatory. The bats uh, are sick. Uh, you meet some friends. Well, Conway meets some friends. There's just another raft with skeletons that drifts by, and Conway, like, raises a glass to them, and it's so fucking haunting. Yeah, and then, like, later on, as you're, like, just going through, there's just, uh, like, a moment where the skeletons, like, take up the foreground. And you're, like, looking at Conway and Shannon through the... Yeah, Like, the ribs, basically. (laughs) Yeah, and there's, like, a whole, like, running thing with the bats where the bats are, like, at risk because there is a, like, fungus that can make them sick. Uh, so they have a lot of warnings about, like, what not to bring into the conservatory so you don't hurt the bats. Yeah, which, it's white nose syndrome, and it's, like, actually a real thing. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about how they have, like, uh, they, like, grow their own moths for the bats to eat and... Shannon eventually comments on the idea that, like, yeah, they're keeping the bats alive and they're preserving them, but also, like, the bats live this in completely artificial life. Like, it's not a zoo, but it's kind of just a big zoo. Yeah. Yeah, and, And, like, Conway uh, talks about, like, you know, isn't, isn't that enough that they're alive and being taken care of? Right. Yeah, is, like, isn't being in a ditch better than being dead? Uh, and they finally get to where they're going which is uh, like an underwater canal that the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces has turned into a telephone exchange it used to be a train platform and then right it got flooded yeah yeah during Uh, the same event that likely also flooded the mine right the workers at the telephone exchange kind of like immediately hit it off with Shannon because they can talk like circuits yeah, and, like, again, these are people who are, like, it kind of sucks what they're doing, but they're, yeah. like, mostly in good spirits. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, their uh, jobs don't seem to be totally terrible. <laughs> like, Yeah, like, the, the woman who works there is, like, kind of, like, bittersweet about it. She's like, yeah, this used to be, there used to be way more people who worked here, we used to have way more work to do, uh, and now it's all mostly done by computer, and they really only keep me on... So that their, like, neural network can study me so that it can train up to replace me. And that's kind of a fucking bummer. But also, I love this job, so I don't... Uh, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Like, and, like, I think that's always a very important thing. Like, to show that there are people who, like, do love their job even under capitalism. Like, I like doing this. I like, like, the way I help people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, like... Yeah, because it's not that... It's not that these people are doing anything bad. It's just that, like, capitalism exploits what people naturally want to do. Right. This isn't even, like, a Dr. Truman situation where he is forced to hurt other people if he wants to do what he loves. This is just a woman who knows that she's not going to get to do what she loves for that much longer, but she's enjoying it while she still can. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but while you're busy talking about telephones with this random lady, the camera kind of pans back over, and your raft is gone. Con or, raft is empty, Conway's gone. And the skeleton raft drifts by again, but there's one more skeleton in it. I, this, I, I only have played Act 4, like, recently. This yeah. fucking floored me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I was not expecting this to happen at all the first time I played it. Um, here comes, like, probably the, <laughs> what I will jokingly say is the most important choice you can make. Yeah. Did you pick, actually, I think I know what you picked. Did you pick the skeleton symbol, Luke? So, okay, remind me what this choice is, because in my memory, what I did was not touch anything and just watched aghast as he, as Conway disappeared down a tunnel forever. So and I don't remember two, clicking on anything. There's two symbols. There's a skeleton symbol and a like one eight like a one eighty like the turnaround arrow, the arrow that like turns around at uh, one eighty degrees. Uh huh. And depending on which one you pick, and I actually like the wiki confirms this because I thought I figured that's what made our Act Fives different. Yeah. If you pick the skeleton symbol, blue follows Conway. If you pick oh, the turnaround wow. symbol, oh, which man. is what I did, blue stays with the group and shows up in Act 5. I think I didn't pick either, but maybe so I'm probably just not remembering. probably defaults to the skeleton. I'm not sure if it defaults to something if you take too long. Yeah. I, I don't even remember seeing that choice. And again, maybe that's just me blanking on that part because I was too focused on the other stuff happening. Yeah, there were there was definitely a choice there. Okay, wow. Yeah, I totally missed that. Yeah, so that that choice, I think that is the only choice where you actually control blue. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's but, such uh, a powerful fucking moment. Absolutely. And it's it's just, like, so, like, fucking sad. Yeah, it's like, oh, like, no, you, you were supposed to escape. You were supposed to, like, we were supposed to find a way to get you out of this. Right, and like, uh, you kind of still think, well, surely Act 5 will be the story of them rescuing him, right? No. Yeah, like, no. Th this is it for Conway. This is it for what appeared to be our main character for the entirety of this game. Yeah. Back in Act 1, I did not know this. Uh, I was watching uh, Lauren the Flute stream it, who's a good streamer. Yeah. Uh, she kind of has a penchant for exhausting absolutely everything that you can do before advancing the story <laughs> which she's gotten frustrated at kentucky route zero a few times because it doesn't let you well no not even that it's it's like told her oh you should go do this and she says well i'm not gonna do that because that's what i'm supposed to do i'm gonna do this instead like but she skipped the paperclip labyrinth because of that and she got frustrated uh <laughs> <laughs> she's like well no 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 i'm not gonna do what they tell me to do i'm just gonna go through each of these floors one by one but the very first floor is the one with lula on it that's very funny yeah uh but so she talked to the ghosts in the basement of uh the gas station at the beginning a lot and they've got a lot of dialogue oh i didn't yeah. realize you could talk to them multiple times yeah 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 um if you keep talking to them there is a point where they like like i said you can kind of glean that they're basically playing a tabletop version of Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, and... and uh, there's like, a point where one of them asks, like, I, I still don't really understand these rules. Like, how do I win this game? 
And uh, one of the dudes just says, I don't think you do win. It says in the box that it's a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, and there's, like, also a bit about, um, like, it, like that just basically tells you, like, hey, if you have trouble with the puzzle, like, here's a hint. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Shannon returns uh, without Conway and possibly without Blue. Yeah. Without Homer. Uh, everyone has met up at Sam and Ida's for breakfast, uh, which is a, like, local famous, like, restaurant that, uh, serves, like, all kinds of, like, gross cave fish cooked up. (laughs) Apparently very good. It's literally anything that Sam can dredge up from the depths. (laughs) Yeah, and you get this weird scene where Ida is, like, there serving everybody, and there's kind of a quirk to this restaurant, which is there is a like, hat like a table covered in half-eaten food that is coated in shellac. And they ask her about it, and according to her, two divers showed up one time, and they were starving because they'd been diving all day. And uh, at the time, they weren't all that well known, and the divers ordered everything on the menu and ate it all, but then wanted more food and different food. So Ida just started making whatever dish could pop into her mind. And for whatever reason, she was like on a roll. And she was just inventing great dish after great dish to give these guys. And they ate for like hours. And uh, that was like where she got all of her inspiration for all of the, the meals that make Sam and Ida's so such like a local like fixture. Uh, and she shellacked the table to, like, commemorate that. And also she was, she can look at it for inspiration. Yeah. Because she didn't write down any of the, like, the recipes. Right. She was cooking too fast. She couldn't. And then the camera pans down to Sam coming out of, like, a bathysphere. And he's, like, talking to the fish he caught. And he tells the same story, but all of the details are different. Yeah. Like, he was just... He was just having like ira make more dishes to send to these divers tables because they were boasting about all the fish they've caught in the lake and he was trying to hear more about where they went so he could go to those same places and like also like they're just eating so much stuff they don't care they won't care if it's good or bad right yeah and also like even like you could argue that that's just two perspectives on the same story but then like a lot of minor details are wrong. Like, Ida says that Sam was doing a crossword, but Sam says he was doing a Sudoku. That kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Dang. Uh, and he's, like, has, like, his whole story, like, it ends on, like, such a weird note because he's, like, yeah, like, every time I go down there, I worry that one of them was exaggerating or lying or not telling the truth. And yeah, yeah. That I would get down there and it like their thing will be wrong and I'll will lose my entire sense of direction and I'll, I so yeah, and I will die down there. And like so, he's like, yeah, like I hate that part. I hate that part. Like that yeah. is my entire job. It's such a weird moment, especially, especially one like, to have directly up after the Conway stuff. Yeah. Like I don't like it's. Again, like, memory kind of comes up a lot in Act 4, and it's like, here's two characters that are very close to each other that remember this pivotal moment completely differently. And, but then also one of them is talking about how he's afraid about someone lying to him. 
Yeah. It's all very strange. And, like, Shannon appears, and, you know, she's wearing Conway's coat, and she's just like, Conway's gone. Yeah, and everyone's like, what What do you mean he's gone? Where'd he go? And she's like, it's just, it, he's, he's gone. Don't, he's gone. Uh, before he left, he did tell her that she could have his truck, because he didn't need it anymore. Yeah, he's like, well, like, I got a brand new shiny truck now. Yeah. And uh, everyone just kind of like, well, fuck, that sucks. That old guy seemed kind of cool. Uh... What now? And Shannon decides that, uh, at the very least, she is going to finish Conway's job for him, and she's going to deliver the antiques to fucking Five Dogwood Drive. Yeah, yeah it's like, we, we've gotten this far. Fuck like, it. It's not, yeah, it's not that much further. Let's just finish the delivery. Uh, the final scene you can do um, is... Well, the final scene where you have a choice of perspective is the uh um is the theremin piece that um Clara plays. Uh, yeah. th- there was also a small section where when you get to the restaurant where you find multiple people on the river. Oh yeah, they're playing a a song called This World Is Not My Home. <laughs> well, even before that, like as Shannon is going to rejoin everybody, you get like little vignettes like you meet oh, the, right, the yeah. guitarist again and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they, they're playing This World Is Not My Home, which I learned is an interesting song, specifically for, like, reasons that would interest Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, because the original version of the song, which I don't remember which one they sing in the game, uh, in the, like, trailer, in the Kickstarter trailer, it's the original version. It's, like, a hymn, and it's basically about, like, oh, the world's full of sin, and I'm, like, a Christian, and I'm this, like, I don't belong in this world, I'm just like a tourist here and i'm going I'm just home passing one day. through yeah and uh god i wish i had this pulled up i didn't think to get it but there was a folk singer who heard that hymn being sung by immigrant workers in america and was infuriated by the idea that they were singing a song about how uh you know the world is just bad and that's fine because after i die i'll be in a happy place and he wrote a whole song about how it's the same, like, chorus, but all the verses are more, like, pro-labor. Huh. Yeah, and about how, like, yeah, this world's not my home because it's, like, been taken from me. Interesting. If yeah. you're interested in that, I really suggest listening to some Utah Phillips records. Uh, that's something I, I did while, like, thinking about this game a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a lot of uh, folk songs and specifically a lot of, like, rewritten hymns. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, to be about union and labor. Yeah, here we go. This was, uh, it's sung by Woody Guthrie, yeah. uh, uh, released in 19, the it, early 1900s, uh, somewhere in there. Uh, it was based on a gospel song Guthrie heard on his visits to the migrant camps, known variously as Can't Feel at Home or I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Guthrie wrote his version of the song in response to this version in an attempt to capture more effectively the unrelieved anger of the Dust Bowl refugees. He was outraged by the song's message and the effects it had on the migrants, telling them to wait and be meek. It was telling them to accept the hovels, the hunger, and the disease, and to not fight back. Guthrie's version parodies the original song's fundamentalist religious sentiment that the poor should accept suffering in this world for rewards in the hereafter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so like the, the, the gospel song is, what is it? This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures and my hopes are all beyond the blue. 
where many Christian children have gone on before, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And the Guthrie version is, I ain't got no home, I'm just a rambling round, I'm just a wandering worker, I roam from town to town, the police make it hard wherever I may go, and I ain't got no home in this world anymore. Yeah. Uh, Pete Seeger is also, like, somewhere, like, someone from that section. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of very good yeah. union folk songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they go to a concert, uh, put on by Clara that she's been kind of talking about all night. Uh, she's on tour, like, she's, like, on to Tennessee the next day or something. Mm-hmm. Which, given what her act is, it's kind of funny to me that she seems extremely successful. Because it's just a solo theremin performance. Yeah. Uh, and like, d- did you see it from Ezra's perspective or from Johnny and Junebugs? I did it from Johnny and Junebugs. I did for Johnny and Jew books. Yeah, me too. Okay. Uh, who knows what happens with Ezra? <laughs> Sorry, Ezra. Uh, Johnny and Junebug, like, remember uh, the last time they saw Clara. And, like, Johnny couldn't remember it this whole time, but it finally sparks his memory. And it's this whole thing where uh, she played at a greenhouse, and she, like, played it at a frequency that rattled all the glass of the greenhouse, and they... Describe it in this, like, very poetic way that makes it sound like, yeah, that'd be a pretty fucking wild show to see in person. Yeah, like, he specifically mentions that, like, everyone was looking to Clara, trying to figure out, by the expressions on her face, like, if she was intentionally doing it, or if it was just a coincidence. And just trying to look for a hint of, like, does she have this under control? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they also talk more about the prospect of adopting Ezra, and depending on the dialogue choice you pick, you can basically either have Junebug start to open up to the idea, or have Johnny kind of accept that it was sort of a silly uh, flight of fancy yeah. that he had. And they they do talk about like how they need someone to play a drum machine. <laughs> yes, and uh, uh, like I think at some point I forgot if it's before this or after this. Uh, they ask Ezra, like, oh, can you play a drum machine? And he goes, I know where all the buttons are. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, Ezra, you fucking beautiful bitch. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I call the young child a beautiful bitch. (laughs) Yeah, like, Junebug's whole, like, like, case against adopting him is just, like, it's just been the two of us forever, and I really like the, like, our relationship, and I just, I'm not even saying that having Ezra around would be bad. It would just be different. And I don't know if I want different. Which is so funny for her because her whole thing is about like always changing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like this, this is changing in a way that is more, seems more permanent. Yeah, exactly. But I, I definitely had her open up to the idea. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's something where she is very much, she defines her life by, she doesn't have any responsibilities. She can just do whatever she wants. And Johnny is basically asking her to take on the biggest responsibility a person can have. Yeah. But like, um, it's just, just, this is a really nice moment. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at last everybody gets to, uh, the, like, I forget what it's called. Five the silo of something. Whatever. Well, no, they, yeah, they haven't gotten there yet. It's it's this silo that is known for, like, if you shout into it, the echo can take, like, months to bounce back to you. 
So you'll just, like, hear voices coming out of it when you go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a big spiraling staircase going back up to the surface. So the truck can't make it. Uh, so they've got to unload all the furniture and carry it up this staircase. And the last shot of Act 4 is just the camera pulling up out of this uh, cavern. Yep. And uh, we'll f- <laughs> we're going to have to finish this some other day. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is going to be longer than Kingdom Hearts. It is. It already is. Yeah, so we'll finish this up tomorrow, I guess. I'm busy tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and we can't... What about Thursday? I can do Thursday. All I can right. do Thursday. I'm All right. right. We'll finish this up Thursday. Great. I don't feel at home in this world anymore.